Hey, you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. Well, welcome. Uh, sleep With Me is proud to present Game of Drones, the Game of Thrones podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with an episode discussion. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And you might say, what, what's the rest? What are you doing? Well, I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, whatever's racing through your brain, whatever's got you tossing and turning. I'm going to distract you from that uh, by talking about Game of Thrones in the most uh, lullingest, dullingest, and uh, something else that rhymes with lulling and dulling that I can't think of way possible. And I'm going to talk about the episode, and I'm going to say, oh boy, this person said this, why was this on the wall? Got me wondering about that. And then I said, well, boy, and then I say, uh, I'll finish up the episode to be like, wow, that guy talked forever. If he, Hopefully he'll fall asleep at, at some point. But then I'm going to go off and say, well, I looked up uh, what why a flag has a fork in it as opposed to just being a straight rectangle. I actually didn't do that, but that's the kind of stuff I would do on the podcast. And then I'll talk about that for a while, and then we usually get a visit from Sir Pounce and Sir Tom and Lately, they've been doing their own radio drama in space, kind of like Flash Gordon. If a uh, person with a, less of an imagination, well, no, I don't want to say anything we mean. That's not, you know, a ba- more basic version of Flash Gordon. Then I'll pray to the old gods and the new. At some point, ideally, you, you, you'll stop listening to me whenever you feel like it. Don't feel obligated to listen to me. Uh, there'll be no follow-up questions like, remember when I said this? And even if I did, did say that to you and then you uh, sh- shrugged your shoulders, it wouldn't bother me one bit. I want you to fall asleep. I, I want you. This is a unique relationship here. One that you might say comes across only when you find a man so detached from reality, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concentrate in, on this episode. I'm going to write stuff down. I'm going to tell it to you like it's, it's really interesting to me. Unfortunately, I'm going to say it in a, you know, in a kind of voice like, yes, uh, uh, just the other day, this happened to me last yesterday. I was playing an episode in someone's car because they said, hey, play me a recent episode. And the person in the back seat said, are you speaking in English? And they weren't kidding. And I said, they said, I can't understand anything you're saying. I said, well, the car is pretty loud. And they said, no, it doesn't sound like you're using words. And I said, well, they're running. I'm using words. And they're, they're, they're just kind of connected. And so that's how the podcast works. I talk. Your other parts of your brain will say, huh, this guy... Did he? He was going to talk about forked flags, and I don't know what he's talking about now. But listen, uh, we're going to bother you later about your self-esteem and your relationships and your job prospects and all this procrastination you've been doing. We'll we'll talk about. We're, we're going to listen to this weird podcast guy for a while, and you're going to say, "Okay, guys, I'm going to go to sleep," and you're just going to tiptoe to the back corner of your bed and go to sleep. I'll have I'll keep I'll keep the rest of your brain entertained. I wish there was a word that was like entertained but not as strong.
Like humans, we need to be entertained. You know, obviously, if I'm going to pay attention, it's better be worth my while. I'm like any other regular person. But these more pesky parts of your brain, sometimes I call them brain bots. I was trying to figure out what the hell Pandora's box was today without looking it up and using it. And I said, well, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to use it in a metaphor anyway. This was a real-life metaphor, one of those RLMs, the old real-life metaphor. Now I'm in a, uh, a P, it's not a podcast life metaphor, podcast usage metaphor, metaphor used for MUP, metaphor used in a podcast. But I said, you know, I feel like in my life, I, I I was like, they said, oh, this is Pandora's box. Don't open it up. And then I said, well, I'm going to open it up and see what happens. Then nothing happened. So I've been sitting around Pandora's box for my entire life waiting for stuff to come out. Because at some point I opened it up and I said, oh, boy, something's about to happen. It's going to be crazy. Or maybe it'll be good. But mostly I assume it's going to be bad. And then I'm saying, well, geez, and then I'm like, what are the, the, the Pandoras or whatever the hell they are leaking out? Meanwhile, at some point, all these companies started naming themselves after Pandora. That gets confusing. There's two big companies, a streaming company, a jewelry company, both called Pandora. How does that work? But uh, And there wasn't a point in there. You might be saying, is he getting to a point? No, well, no this is the, that was a little demonstration of uh, what we do here. And I hope I help you fall asleep. That's what we're here for. We talk about Game of Thrones on Sunday nights. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have, like, more story-based episodes. If this is your first time here, welcome. I can't guarantee this podcast will work for you. I'm not one of, like, like I, I'm not one of those people that will say, Hey, welcome to the, uh, welcome to Sleep With Me podcast. The, uh, podcast that uses Alpha and Theta and Beta Waves. And I'm, a, I'm your doctor here, Dr. Panic, and I'm here to reduce your panic. I know the irony. And if you'll just uh, send us a d- d- direct uh, donation, and within five minutes, I will put you to sleep with merely the sound of my voice. Listen as a watch ticks in the distance, ticking away the minutes. To, like, I, I could do a podcast like that. but And then I'd say, well, could I sleep at night? Well, depending... Depending on how much, I, I just, sorry folks, I just uh, I just got off track there and I totally, I was like, geez, was I driving? I think I might have fallen asleep during my intro. And I said, I think I was just saying, oh, this is why I'm not making a point. And then I was trying to make a point about not making a point. And then I got distracted by something and I forgot what I was trying to make a point, what I was not making a point about. But I'm just glad you're here. I hope I help you fall asleep. Like I said, I can't guarantee it, uh, but, but that's it. I hope I help you fall asleep. We're here. Give it, if you're a first time here, give it a couple tries. If you don't like Game of Thrones, go to the Tuesday, Thursday episodes. If you love a Game of Thrones episodes, they're wicked, wicked long. And that's it. We're on web, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me uh, at Dearest Scooter on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. And you can comment on the website. Uh, what are other points? They have a bunch of stuff I was going to talk about. Newsletter, I'm still testing that out. But at some point, I'll say, hey, go to the newsletter at wherever, whatever. T-shirts, hopefully that's in June. 
uh, Amazon link. If you want to support the podcast and you're going to do any shopping on Amazon, uh, please go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Amazon, and we'll get a small percentage. I see people on there. And if you want to get some sleep phones, uh, you go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash sleep phones or headphones or something, and you'll get them there. I'm trying to think. If I, 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 was, I was telling myself, don't forget this. But I guess I could always, uh, I'll get it in. I'm glad you're here, and I hope I help you fall asleep. Uh, time for uh, my, my gratitude list. Crone, sweet, sweet crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, Jester. God's old, new, newest, you know, now, now you're like God's pre- pretty new. But don't worry, guys, the pain has not rubbed off on you guys. Or the sh- I mean, maybe the shine it sparkles a little less. By so- you know, say They say guilt by association. But you guys are too brave to say, well, well I guess you, you guys have like a PR. Pro- you say, well, geez, that podcaster, you can't, uh, you don't really choose. Is, is that frustrating as gods? Do you do you ever have a meeting about me or, like, gods forbid, someone much worse than me uh, dials you up on the prayer phone? Do you say, uh, uh, oh, boy. Well, anyway, this isn't about me, gods. It's about you and, and what, what you do, all you do with all your powers. I want to say thanks for Chris Posty Posterson over at Sounds Like an Earful Does Our Music. Check out his podcast, Gods. I mean, come on now. Scotty and Jennifer, Sir Scotty, Lady Jennifer, they do our work. Lord and Lady of the podcast. You know, guys, there's probably some new people listening. They say, wait a second, did you just say Lord and Lady of the podcast? Is that a popularity contest? Is that a uh, award winning? Can I buy that? And I'd say, wait, I'd say, great idea. But right now, yeah, we have a Lord and Lady. They rule over the podcast with the, uh, with the, uh, I was going to try to make some link to oil, but I said, well, you know, that skull with the goodness of something deep fried, but without any of the, uh, you know, clogged stuff or the stomach ache or the calories. The Lord and Lady are, are, you know, they fry up, they, they fry up uh, manna for the gods. I think if I knew, remember, gods were you there? I looked up manna one time. I said, "Well, geez, I guess that's not what I thought it was." I think I was confusing manna and something else. But yeah, Lord and Lady, Defrenestrator, he watches over the Lord and Lady. If they, you know, if they said, "Well," Well, we'll take over the podcast, podcast boy. Uh, you know, we're going to do it to, you know, further our own agenda. Uh, I mean, but their agenda's being great, so. But the defrenestrator's there. Nick Van Corfinom 3. Uh, he's also been known to wrestle a bit. Uh, I, I got to keep it. I got to check in with uh, Nick Van Corfinom 3. See if he's still going by a full name. And when, you know, if he's still, you know, if he's partnered, if he's switched over. You know, and I'd say, well, what's his alignment after, you know, this episode we'll talk briefly about. But I'd say, geez, are you uh, lawful evil? Chaotic neutral? Chaotic evil? You may say, well, he may say, well, it depends on the day, my friend. You need any defenestration or fenestration or however you pronounce it. And I'd say, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he may know. 
Not right now. I'm in the middle of thanking the gods, so let's not throw anybody out the window this second. But guys, I'm busy, 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 busy here. I want to thank uh, Mizuzu, Mizuzu, uh, all the way from across the globe, gods, emailing me a lovely touching another touching email. Uh, Nicole and Aaron buddies uh, sending me a nice email. Miss M sent a nice email. Kelly, Lucy is sending out the nice emails. Over on Facebook, Antonia and Tara was saying, hey, geez, pumping me up. And then checking in with Libby, Laura, Kimberly, Chevy, Julie, Lori, Alexandra, Sally, Eduardo, Andy, Annie, Kathy, Carrie. Probably miss some but people, God. So just you know, smoke part of me. Uh, you get you did you guys? I know it's the wrong time to pitch you, but I was just thinking of uh, hair removal. Another business, probably not. Probably, you know, could you dial the smoke down to just follicle level, and then maybe we could open both sides. You smoke instead of European style waxing, or hair smoting. You know, we're going to smoke that hair. You know, again, Corona, I can't go into it because you'll probably be like, they do what? Oh, boy, that, that's sick on so many different levels. Who thought of that? And I say, I think it was a spa in New York City. But I remember reading it somewhere in New York or probably they have great long-form articles there. Oh, or we could de-smoke. You say, hey, let's fire some of those follicles back up with a little god juice in there. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, on Twitter, guys. I want to thank Veronica, Chloe, Libby, Eli, Brandon, Justin, Babs, Alex, Words of Birds, Annie B., Catherine, Jill, Harley, Anya. Amelia, over on Reddit, blue t-shirt. I also want to thank Mizuzu, Mizuzu for the nice review, Zoo. I can't refuse you are so, uh, you know, kindness uh, you, you do unto me. Thank you. I blew that one, gods. And I want to thank Ricky with it. I said, is that three eyes, four eyes, or five eyes on Ricky doing our iTunes review? Ricky says, suspend your disbelief. Now, I love that. I said, well, has Ricky been listening for a real long time? Because I always say that when I get ready for movies. Sometimes when I'm praying to you guys, remember I said, suspend your disbelief time. Remember when I tried taking you guys to the movies? That didn't work out ever. I think it was mostly the fight I got into over the dancing Groot that I was bringing symbolically to bring you to the movie park. You remember that? And the guy said, what the hell is that dancing Groot? He said, I'll give the usher. And I said, you're going to need the usher. You know, remember I said, you know, your face is going to be stuck to the... And I said, my Groot will dance the whole movie. Yes, sir. Uh, Are you going to be opening candy the whole movie? And he said, now I am. And then I said, and I said, Chrome, sweet, sweet Chrome. Remember that, gods? That was, a, I think that was the third time. And then they said, you know what? Just don't come to this movie theater ever again. And they said, we got your picture up with and without the beard. And your hair, you know, always looks weird. So we just say, look for this guy. 
they called me, uh, I think they called me group, 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 group. Oh, no, I said, can you put group, group master G on the poster that says not allowed? And they said, you don't get to input on your poster that you're banned from the seat. Why are you still here? And I said, hint, you haven't alerted the authorities yet. And they said, well, we're trying to. So thanks for that, guys. That was fun. That was a while ago, but that was fun going down memory lane with you guys. Did I say blue T-shirt over on Reddit? I want to thank them. That's everybody I wanted to thank. I found a whole stash of people to thank somewhere. And I said, okay, it wasn't Reddit. And it wasn't, I said, man, where was it? And now I can't remember. Oh, boy, that's embarrassing, guys. Did you, did you, were you trying to smoke, were you guys messing with me? You're like, yeah, let's smoke some of his hair follicles on his head. And then you, you had the power turned up too high. Okay. Well, God, thank you so much for all the support you do, uh, directly and indirectly, passively and totally passively, accidentally. And, you know, thanks, especially for the challenges you know, because I want to see Mad Max and Avengers, but, you know, when it's like, uh, you know, there's, when there's no movie theater, I said, well, geez, I don't have a car, so I can't drive 12 hours to go see a movie. And I said, where? Okay, the chain with three letters, can't go there. Independent Theater Association Band. And I said, what do you guys, you got a fax? And they said, no, we got email. Don't worry, everybody's emails. I said, the other one... And then remember after when they tried, the first time they threw me, I said, they, I don't even think this theater chain's still in business, but I just kept yelling, uh, thank you for coming to Lowe's, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. And then I was holding Groot above my head, and Groot was still dancing to that. I, well, I said, well, I can't tell if it's the motion, but I think Groot was like... Uh, and I called that, guys. I said, this is a dancing group, uh, Christmas 2014, present of the year. I don't know if I was right, but 2015. I don't know. Guardian of the Galaxy 2. I think they already booked 2 and 3. But And for some reason, I think it's like a shorter window between those two. But I'm not positive. And one of our, you know, great, one of the great casting moves of the century, they'll probably say, well... I, mean, I don't know. One of the great castings was Chris Pratt in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Great acting, great casting, great directing, great writing. Uh, but we say, well, geez, he really... And, and so we're looking forward to seeing him in, uh, in Jurassic World coming up and saying, well, geez, this guy, he's a, he's a new trickster hero, gods, and he's good at it. And they say, well, geez, I like Tom Hardy, uh... Underappreciated in Inception, which I hope he was in it, in the James Bond sequence particularly, I thought he was great. So that's it, guys. I better get out of here because I got to get back. You know, then I got to get to the end of the show. I got to talk your ear off. All right. Good night. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, crows and ravens, uh, free folk. And folk that believe they're free but are living under oppressive armed religious, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, queen, mother, something very complicated that will be revealed at another episode. But welcome. We're going to be talking about uh, Kill the Boy. 
And I want you to hold that in your mind for a second and say, geez, uh, what other ways can I think about kill the boy other than obviously the one that brings up a shock factor and then the one that plays out in the beautiful scene in the episode. But this episode starts with a lamp and a little bit of an oil lamp, I believe. I'm going to look into it. And it reveals that it's in Grey Worm's room and our poor dear Grey Worm is actually looking gray. And I say, oh boy. And then we see, I think I see another lamp. I put at times two. And then there's three windows. And then we see the woman that Grey Worm loves that I don't know, but, but I'm deluded into assuming that because she's unavailable to me, I love her. Uh, and definitely now totally unavailable to me. Uh, she's in there watching over Grey Worm, worried. And is this the scene where they talk, or is that later? I think that's later. Uh, watching over Grey Worm. And then the next scene we have Barristan the Bold laid out in, uh, on his, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, laid out in a funeral, his funeral, uh, thingamajig. Crossed a continent to serve our Khaleesi. And there's this wonderful close-up of the Khaleesi. A couple couple, uh, uh, a couple nice close-ups of the Khaleesi. Really frame where you're like, huh, I don't know. They were just nice. She's in her white dress. I don't know if it's the same white dress, but I said, is that the white dress? I was wondering if she was wearing that or she had more than one. Is it getting washed? Do I care? I don't know. But she's like, oh, he's a good man, crossed the continent, as I said, loyal friend. Hey, Khaleesi's angry. She's upset of he was killed in the alley by cowards. Dario wants to pull the troops back and then take the town over by, you know, bit by bit. That's an American style. Uh, invade a city, let everything go, and then try to retake the city while you're kind of stuck in it. I think that's how actually, unfortunately... Maybe they, I think that's how I conduct my life. Make a mess when you're in the mess and then try to clean up the mess. But, what you, you know, what are you going to do? But Khaleesi says, you know, I want the Dario's earlier suggestion. He says, uh, uh, what, when I, you know, thing with your ear in my tongue? And she says, no, 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 the other earlier suggestion. She says, round up the leaders. And they have that guy there. He's a leader. They say she. They grab him. He says, "I'm a leader." And she says, "Yep, I mean you too." And he starts crying and and rattling. And then the next thing you know, we're in the subterranean world. And there's chains and there's sounds and there's the unknown. Flames flicking, and you're like, "Oh boy!" Last time Khaleesi was down here. She she did not look to be in control, and we were, you know it was earlier in the season. What's going to happen with Khaleesi? Now we're at the midpoint of the season. We're saying, let's get some direction for our Khaleesi, and the Khaleesi's saying the same thing. She's so wise. She knew it before I did. And at some point, she she's framed again. Maybe it was an earlier scene, and I couldn't quite read the look on her face. Was it cold? Was it determination? And I don't know. But they're saying she tells them to walk forward. They're like, "You can't do this again." Then she takes another. She makes them take another step. 
and she starts with, she's like, don't worry, they won't eat you, you know, unless, unless uh, uh, she says, don't, don't worry, they won't eat you probably. I don't, I don't, I don't have total control on them. But then she uses this knife. She says, well, children, you really can't give up on them. You, you don't want to, you want to remain hopeful. You know, discipline them. You know, that's what a good mother does. But she doesn't give up. And then she says, I don't like this guy. And then, boom, he gets a, he comes a little dragon snack, toasted, a little bit like a, uh, I say, well, not quite a dragon, uh, what do you call that, s'more, but similar. And then Khaleesi, she, she, she knows how to work a moment. She says, who is innocent, all of you or none of you? And then she sneaks up behind the guy we've been with, this past season and a half and she puts her hand on his back and she says maybe we should let the dragons decide and then she backs off she's 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 got her foot on the gas she takes her foot out she says oh no no oh, we don't want to overfeed them uh tomorrow perhaps and there was this weird way the last two lines she said if you rewatch it it was kind of a uh, Interesting way she she was it was a lackadaisical in, in a way I said well, tomorrow perhaps and then next we have Sam he's uh, reading an update on Daenerys uh, to the Maester Maester Aemon and he's kind of talking about how he's dying and this is his last relation and he's so far away he can't help her Sam's like don't talk Sam's not comfortable with talk about death. And then John comes in. We get our first Lord Commander of the episode, I believe. He's a little bit squeaky. I don't think I do a master aim. Lord Commander? That's not it. And there's candles burning again. This uh, fire is, you know, important. I don't know if in Game of Thrones, but in the atmosphere of Game of Thrones, it's important. And John's way, his heart's heavy, and he, 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 he tries to tell the maester how heavy his heart is with the, the the weight of the leadership and the decisions he has to make. And I notice, you know, Maester Eamon's blind, but he really listens. He listens with his ear. In a way, maybe we should all listen, but, but it was very intense, his listening. And his face was stern, and he's got that wonderfully gravelly, weakening voice. He says, half the men already hate you, Lord Commander. I guess a drinking game, if you're going to have a drinking game, Lord Commander should be in there. I would say five push-ups and then five, five drink, like five sips, then five push-ups, then five sips. I can't drink anymore, but you should, you know, think about it. But he says, uh, you're going to find little joy in the command, but with luck. You'll find the strength to do what needs to be done. Kill the boy, Jon Snow. Winter is almost upon us. Kill the boy and let the man be born. And this is one of the more powerful moments. Powerful in its uh, subtle, su- subtlety? I don't know. It's just been this Jon Snow season where he's the one, everyone's got this agenda for him. But he's trying to do what's right. He's trying to find his way. And now Maester Maester Eamon seems to be on to something. He says, you know what? You know, you you got to pull a little. I know 
being a phoenix in the middle of this friggin' ice-cold castle. It's like, hell, I'm freezing my ass off. But Jon Snow, you gotta somehow be a phoenix reborn in the ashes, from a boy to a man. Uh, that's, that's what needs to be done. So hopefully this is what we already, I mean, we've already had a good, you know, witnessing of, uh, has a character, I like, I guess I didn't mean to get off track here this early, but these parallel journeys that Daenerys and John are taking, going from these young teenagers when the series started, I believe, to now these leaders with these giant responsibilities, people's lives, the future of the world could be hanging in the balance. And then our next scene up, uh, our next scene up we have uh, John and Tormund, and in his frame and Tormund's just this hulking mass of human and fur and red hair. And there's uh, there's something on the wall, if anybody rewatches it, I was like, is that a corn figure? Or, or or a light. I couldn't figure it out. But he says, you know, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out what, what to do. Jon Snow's trying to pitch, you know, to bring the free folk. You know, let me protect them or, or let's get them uh, on this side of the wall. And he's like, John's like, you know, come on. And he's like, well, it's hard to lead if you're in chains. And, and John's like, they're not going to follow anyone. You know, you you got to be the leader. You know, we're not enemies here. And it's your chance to be a hero, really, and save these women and children, at least. And, and he's like, well, we are enemies. He's like, no, no, no. And he's like, we've been doing wrong. He's like, yeah, we've been doing wrong for 8,000 years. We've fallen short of our oath to be the shield that guard, guards the realm of men or humanity in this case. And I'm going to change that. And then uh, Tormund's like, really? You're going to change 8,000 years of human history? And he's like, well, I'm the Lord Commander. And when was the Lord Commander line? There was a great Lord Commander in there. might have been earlier. Oh, no, here it is. Uh, John says, uh, uh, John says, well, you know, I'm the Commander of the Night's Lights. And then Tormund says of it, and what would you have me do, Lord Commander? He says it like a lion. It is so magnificent. And people were even tweeting me about it this week. And he's like, I'd have you go rescue these people. And he's like, well, they're not going to fight for you or kneel for you. And he's like, come on, man, get this done. You know, I'll unlock your chains. That's how tough I am. And there was one other line in there. I'm not sure if it's after the Lord Commander, but he says something like, made me eat them or make me eat them. I can't remember what he says, but he, he even grabs his belly and gesticulates in a really cool way. But at the end up, he's like, if you come with me, I'll go with you to get the free folk. And we'll make them free, maybe. And I was surprised. John's like, well, I have Stannis for some ships. And I'm like, oh, boy, Stannis, is, maybe he really does like have this... Uh, father figure thing for Jon Snow because I'm like he wouldn't give uh, he said he's he's kind of a, he's pretty uh, he must have some hidden agenda maybe I'm like he's not going to give you the ships and then we have a, a meeting of the Night's Watch and John and everyone are there and no one wants to go along with John and then another thing that a lot of people were talking about this week was Stannis he's sitting back at this meeting and they're talking about, well, what if these if these guys don't get if they get taken out, all these free folk that you call them, 
will be less enemies for us, and Stannis under his breath says, Fewer. Lord Commander, fewer is the proper English uh, usage of the word. And even Onion Knight says, What the hell did you say? And he said, you, you, You barely can speak, you fool. But, but a very funny scene, and I don't know if that's a cookie, you'd say, or Easter egg, but a wonderful thing. And again, similar to the birth of Sir Pounce, such a tiny little wonderful detail shows how hard these people on Game of Thrones are working to create some richness for us. And then we have John alone in his office. Potato Kid rolls in, uh... So, so none of the Night's Watch are really on board with John. And then we have John in his office, and the potato kid rolls in, and he's looking a little glum. And John's like, Hey, potato kid, come over here. He goes, uh, What's up? You're acting all. And he said, Hey, you're just faking this, being nice to these uh, northerners, uh, or the others, or whatever you call them. He goes, these are the people that took out my family. When me me and my dad were having a joke about potatoes, that's why I'm the potato kid. Remember, we had our backs to each other, and we said, potatoes. And then they, you know, I lost my whole family. I can't forgive these people. He says, uh, will, will there be anything else, Lord Commander? And you're like, oh, boy, heavy is the head that wears. I guess his head is probably not heavy because he's got that hair, Jon Snow which is, like, super cool, so... And then the next scene, if you ever wanted to see someone... We got Podrick rolling in uh, to, to a, like, an inn's courtyard. Now, if you if you ever... Podrick and I don't look alike, but at the times I've seen people do a, uh, what do you call it, impersonation of me. There's only been two people... Because usually if someone did an impersonation of me, I would, you know, lose it. But there's been two people that have done impersonations of me where I was like, okay, go ahead. And both times I think they did, I was, Padraig's head was shaking. A little bit like an old woman or someone that's listening to music. But in both Padraig's case and in my case, I think our heads just shake out of some sort of over-caffeination... Or, I don't know, it's hard to say why our heads shake. I don't know. I said, I didn't know my head shook. But but then when people do impersonations on me, my head's shaking. So I said, oh, geez. So then I be, you know, then I said, oh, but geez, I be, can I keep my head from shaking? And now I just don't, I guess I don't care anymore. But then they go in, Brienne in, in, is in their big room. Big room and, and great view of uh, Winterfell. Fire's cooking. Uh, he's like, hey, what do you think? I don't know about this mission still, Brienne. She's in her castle. She's, she, you know. And then this guy rolls in with dinner, the innkeeper or the innkeeper's husband. And he looks familiar. I, I, I was going to look up who he was. I didn't do that because, you know, I don't want to spoil it for myself. But he's got dinner. He likes to say, I, I. And she says, hey, I love the Starks. He says, I don't believe it. And then she says, really? And he says, okay. And then she says, you got to get a message to, uh, uh, you got to get a message to uh, Sansa in there for me. And he's like, I, and then the next scene we have Ramsey in bed. Talked about Ramsey this weekend. We were talking about, uh, 
I don't remember what we were talking about, but I went on a tirade for, uh, and I said, uh, I think things that would be enticing in, unless it was involved. And I said, I, I wouldn't if I, if you pay. He said, hey, I'm going to give you $20,000 to go on vacation, but you got to share a house with Ramsey Snow. I wouldn't do it. I'd say no. Like, keep your $20,000. Keep your vacation. It repulses me. I don't want to be near him. I don't want to be have anything to do with him. And then we discuss, is Ramsey, at the end of this episode, you guys say, this guy's worse than Joff or a different kind of horrible. But he's there in bed. His hands are behind his head. He's looking all smug. He says, you know, what I am what I want, he's talking to his lover, Miranda, and he says, you know, what I want is no longer a consideration. I'm furthering a dynasty. Dynasty. Then I said, man, I thought I hated you. Now I hate you even more. Dynasty. And then she's jealous of, the, of, of uh, Sansa, and then they play this coy, strange relationship. Ter- terrible treatment of Miranda here, uh, because especially when you consider, you know, the uh, that he's like some royalty, and then he's like, "Well, you work for the uh, kennel. You're the kennel master's daughter," and then he's just playing with her emotions, and then he, he's, he's just a scumbag. And then after that, we have uh, Sansa in this uh, this thinking pose. And she, her wing, her wings on her dress are out, and I just really liked that. It was a brief shot of her sitting there thinking, and then a, the woman comes in, who had said, you know, the North remembers, and she's like, uh, "Hey, you got friends in the North. If you're ever in trouble, you know, if you need help right away, this is where I'm like, hey, Brienne, what the hell? She's like, climb up to the tower that's broken down to the top of it." And light a candle. So if you're ever in immediate danger, uh, try to get out of the danger. You know, go down through the castle, then go all the way up. I don't know how you get up in that broken tower, but get to the top of it, light a candle. And then Brianna will come across the marsh, the bog, break into the castle. Uh, well, you're. I guess you're on your own, kind of. Brianna is a great person, doesn't have the great history of saving people's asses. But she said, light a candle way the hell up there. I don't know what to tell you. North remembers. And then Sansa decides in the next scene to take a look at the old tower where Bran used to climb. And she's like, shit, I got a lighted candle up there? Great. And then old uh, Miranda comes up and she starts checking out uh, Sansa's stitches and you kind of get a nice, uh, Sansa looks way more uh, in charge and uh, more striking than Miranda in the scene, at least to me. And Miranda's kind of playing this, like, a uh, little bit of a psychopath. She's like, oh, I like your clothes. I really like, do you think we could be friends? And then she's like, I got a little present for you inside the kennels. Why don't you go check it out? And she goes, it's a surprise. Now, I, like, uh, I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a surprise at the end of a kennel. You know, usually you say, I got a puppy for you. It's out here. I, I'm so dense. I said, what, what wolf could be in there? Is there a dire wolf in there? And then I was trying to figure out, was it? Uh, that's how dense I am. So I was surprised when we see Theon in there. 
And then Theon's freaked. He, Reek is freaked, I guess. He says, you shouldn't be here. And then the Sansa, you can t- tell she's uh, enraged. I mean, I guess she's like panicked and r- enraged at the same time. And probably angry with Theon and uh, Miranda and whoever the hell else is involved. And then we get another scene with uh, Ramsay where we see the extent of his, he, he's uh, so calm, but he right away knows something's up with the way. He knows right away there's something up with Reek. And you can, if you watch the scene again, you watch his eyes. His eyes never leave Theon. As Theon bends down, he watches him. And you can almost see excellent acting. But you can almost see the moment of recognition when he's like, I know Theon's up to something. And then he has this this voice that's so deep and calm with Theon, but so menacing just because of his behavior. And his calmness is more frightening than than anything. I mean, than his scary voice. Uh, the next scene is this dinner. And it's, again, one of these amazing Game of Thrones scenes. That this this scene might not get its due because there's been so many big scenes, little big scenes, you know. With the I don't know how to describe it, but this one is a is a a horrible classic because you got Ramsey. He's so chipper. He's the definition of chipper. He calls uh he he calls uh his father's wife. He says, "Oh mother." He pours her some wine. She says, "Thank you, Ramsey." And then he gets up. He's like, "I'm gonna, hey, hey Pop, I'm gonna take the, uh, I'm gonna take the stage here." And he he says, hey, "You know, let's have a little drink to the wedding. You know, we're a great family. We're hot stuff. May our, you know, happiness go from Moat Kalen to the last hearth to my wedding." And then Sansa's like, "I'll pass. You know, I, I, I'm not even gonna bother with the formalities." And then the I forget, Wal- Walda, Walda, she says, oh, Sansa, it must be hard for you being here. And she's, it's a strange place. She's like, no, it's this place isn't strange. This is where I grew up. It's the people who are strange. And then Ramsey gets out. He says, hey, let's bring in uh, Reek. He goes, I heard you two saw each other again. Good place for you guys to reconnect the kennels. And he's like, are you still mad at him? You know, don't worry, I punished him. He's not Theon anymore, are you, Reek? He goes, no, yeah, I'm Reek, for sure. And Sansa's like, what What the hell is wrong with you? And at some point, there's like a pig's head in the background. I was like, yeah, this guy is straight out of uh, Lord of the Flies a little bit. And for a while, Ramsey's just sitting there kind of nonplussed. I mean, not Ramsey, uh, Roos. And you're trying to figure out what's going through his brain. Uh, or I was, because I was like, this is, uh, what's what's up with Roos? Like, is he a tiger waiting to strike? And he's like, hey, Reek, I need you to apologize face to face. And he actually goes through with it. And then Ramsey, horribly good flourish. And, and one of the most wonderful, terrible flourishes. Uh, almost funny, if his scene wasn't so tense, he goes, well, I'm glad that's over with. He goes, uh, that was getting very tense. And he, he like, uh, does something with his hands. He's like, oh, there, or woo, or something. Or there, over and done with. It was so, you got to rewatch that. 
and then in Sansa's kind of ends up the butt of these. Who's going to give you away your wedding? How could it be any worse than having Joff give you away and whisper terrible things in your? Well, we're going to have a Theon, who's been converted into a dog, give you away your wedding. And say, okay, that that's probably worse. And then Roos decides. He says, okay, okay, that's enough, uh, you idiot. And he says, by the way, we're having a baby, and it's probably a boy, and hopefully he's not a psychopath. And Sansa just gets this look on her face. There's two different shots of her with this cool grin, which it was just lovely. It was just lovely. I loved that. Uh, the next scene is Ramsey's kind of in Roos's war room, and he's like, I'm going to throw a little fit here. And Roos is like, oh, you know what, uh, you think you're crazy. Do you think, he goes, hey, Ramsey, you think you're evil? And Ramsey goes, well, yeah, evil-ish. And he goes, well, you disgraced yourself at dinner. Let, let me let me give you a little clinic in what bad people are really like. And he, he tells Ramsey this terrible story of how Ramsey became his son, which is just, then you're like, holy cow, uh, who do I rue and who do I loathe and who am I going to use my fantasy fiction time machine to get first? And then the music starts to rise. And, you know, these two, in the, in their version of the history of Westeros, they're heroes. And he, he Roos says, uh, you know, I looked at you then and I saw what I saw now, my son. Stannis Baratheon's got an army at Castle Black. He's coming here uh, to take the north. It's yours and mine. Will you help me defeat him? And Ramsay's like, okay, yeah, uh, yes, Papa. And then our next scene is uh, Sam and Gilly are in the library. And Sam's like in the middle of reading, and then Gilly's asking questions. And Sam gets a little passive-aggressive. Because Gilly's like, hey, what is it? Gilly's just curious. And she hasn't been spent a lot of times in libraries. And uh, I, I don't know if Sam's actually, maybe he's not trying to be passive aggressive. Maybe he's just, you know, low social skills. But she's like, where's the Citadel? He's like, in Old Town. I'm going back to my book now. And she's like, you know, I have feelings here, and I'm just trying to learn. And then Stannis rolls in there, and Gilly runs out of there like she... Uh, She's like, she's like, this is the most, you know, I got to get out of here. This guy is so boring. And then he's like, you're Samuel Tarley. I liked your father. He was, uh, you know, proved one of my points when I was telling my brother he was an idiot. He proved it. And he's like, you anything like your father? Sam's like, not, not really. He goes, well, what, what are you doing down here? He's like, reading a ton of stuff. He goes, I heard you were, uh, you know, met a couple. And he goes, yeah, I know what's going on with these creatures. I've met them. I've beat him. I know a dragon glass obsidian stance like I'm familiar. You know, I'm going to interrupt you. And and, and uh, Sam says, you know, we got I'm, we got to figure out how to fight. I'm looking it up. And Stannis goes, keep up the work, good work, more or less, Samuel Tarly. Lord Commander, Samuel Tarly. And it doesn't sound the same. Lord Commander, Library Commander. Yeah. Library commander. And then the Onion Knight is carving like a, uh, I don't know if it was a miniature hobby horse or a duck. I think it was a duck. 
And he's, he's, he's like, all right, we're going to war here. And he's like, well, I'm almost done carving. Please let me finish. And Stan's like, no, we're going now. And Onion Knight's like, all right, well, should I keep – no, he goes, the whole family's coming. We're rolling out. And then the next scene is in the morning, and they're getting ready to leave. And uh, Shireen's like, uh, you think Father's going to let me check out the crypts of Winterfell? You know, that's where all the kings of the north are, Bran the Builder, King Doran. And uh, Onion Knight's like, well, it's a long way there, and then we have to win the battle. And he's like, don't worry, you won't be there. And then the mom comes, and she's like, that's enough, Davos. Don't scare the child. Now, it ends up, I mentioned the movie Brassed Off uh, two episodes ago, I think. Ends up, this the woman that plays uh, Mrs. Bar- uh, Lady Baratheon was the, uh, the one of the stars of Brassed Off. So, a small world, uh, unintentional. But I said, when I was looking it up, Brassed Off, I said, wait a second, I recognize that person. And uh, then the queen, she gets out of earshot, and Shireen's like, I'm not scared. And Davos is like, I am. Are you going to protect me? And she says, I will. And then uh, Stannis is like, Lord Commander, make me make sure I get my ships back, Lord Commander. And he says, don't worry, have a good trip. And then they're like, all right, let's get out of here. And then we have a shot of the red woman who's now back in red, smirking up at Jon Snow. And she I think she looked a little bit dissatisfied, maybe not sexually, but, but you know, as far as like uh, power, power based. I mean, I guess sexuality, part of it is power. But, you know, getting what she wanted, uh, she looks she was smirking, but like she did, she no longer held the advantage and then there's this really cool shot of them all heading out uh, out of Castle Black. Really cool scene. And it made me think, man, this is just like a movie, but a TV show. Well, you best of, it's like the best of both worlds in some sense. And then our next scene is uh, back in the room with Melisandre um, and Grey Worm. And Grey Worm's kind of going through a little shame. He wakes up and he's like, I failed my... I failed Sir Barristan. He finds out Sir Barristan's gone. He's like, I failed them. I failed my troops. I failed my queen. And he rolls over in shame. And she's like, you didn't fail. You know, you're a brave soldier. And he probably says, you know, I mean, it may be because I'm in love with a woman that loves him, but he probably says one of the most romantic things, at least ever in Game of Thrones, but pretty freaking romantic. Now, my people, my, most people might say, well, I didn't really catch it or it wasn't that romantic. Please don't paraphrase it and ruin it. But but I will. He says, uh, she says, why are you ashamed then? And he says, I'm ashamed because when, when I was attacked and I thought I wasn't going to make it, I was afraid. And she's like, everyone's afraid. She's like, everyone's afraid of afraid of death. And he's like, not death. He's like, I was afraid I would never see my Sunday from the island of Narth again. And of course, she's like, oh boy, time to get in bed with you and sing. She gives, she lays this kiss on him. It was a kiss that could have been in the movie at the end of Princess Bride. As far as I'm concerned, now I'm biased, right? Because it's like I want the best of both worlds. I want my Grey Worm to be my best friend. 
and his future wife, I would like to be, you know, be my, be my, my lady companion. But whatever, I'm happy for both of them, really, because, uh, you know, I can't, I don't have any, there's no way, if I was in Grey Worm situation, I'd be like, man, where the hell is everybody? I was, I, I don't think I'd be thinking about high romance. And then we have a nice little scene with uh, Lissandre and the Khaleesi, and Khaleesi's kind of talking strategy. And she's like, what's your advice? She's like, I'm not fit to give advice. Khaleesi's like, yeah, yes, you are. And she says, well, maybe part of being a leader is is that you can see some choices that we can't see. Sometimes you go with this. Sometimes you go with that. And sometimes you find a new way. And Khaleesi's like, huh, well, thanks for believing in me. And she says, I made it, by the way, I made out with Grey Worm. And Khaleesi's like, okay, well, let's, let's, and then they're like, well, let's cut it before she says that. And then Khaleesi goes down into the, like, the cells or something, and great acting in this scene, great acting in this scene. Because uh, like Khaleesi goes down for, for the, the guy whose his name I'll never remember. I, I don't even, uh, but... but He's one of the, you know, our main, the guy for the fighting pits, the main negotiator with the families. And he's kind of down there weeping. She's like, I thought you said Valar Morghulis. And he's like, I realized I didn't want to die a coward. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to die at all. And he's kind of weeping. It's very endearing and just a great job by this actor to pull it off because he gets a little humor in there at his own expense. And Khaleesi's like, well, it takes courage to be afraid and to admit you're wrong. And she's like, I was wrong about the pit, the uh, the gladiator-type battling. So we're going to do that. And she's like, yeah, so we're going to do that for free men only. Uh, never be slavery here. And he's like, okay. And then she's like, and by the way, one more twist. I'm going to marry you, you know, one of the big family heads, and it's going to be you. And she says it in a much more wittier way than that. But he's like, oh boy, okay. Uh, the next scene is uh, Tyrion and, and Jorah in the boat. And Jorah's kind of sitting up on the side of the boat. I think that's what they do, but I'm like, geez, what if a shark or something jumps up and grabs him or a giant, you know, tentacled creature, a kraken, you know, from the Iron Isles? But Tyrion's like, don't worry, I'm okay. And he, he, George just ignores him, and Tyrion's like, well, where are we? He's trying to be a little annoying. Oh, where are we? What bird is that? What, 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 is your nose running? And then he says, long, sullen silences and the occasional punch in the face. The Mormon way. Another beautiful piece of humor. And he's like, come on, let's start over. Let's get along. You know, I'm a big mouth sometimes. But he's like, I need some wine. I'm kind of going through a little withdrawal. I'm a person who drinks. Got to keep drinking. Mormon's like, no way. And he's like, well, where the hell were you going? He's like, through Valeria. And then we get start to get these beautiful, beautiful scenes of uh, Valeria. First from the coast, and then as we, first from the coast, and then as we start to venture in. There's fog and the river and these ruins everywhere. I think there's a a ruined aqueduct they're going to go through. 
And then they start to, you know, they, they, they say, Jesus, is it eerie going in here? You know, the Tyrion's like, you know, this is the smoking sea. How many centuries before we regain all the knowledge lost here? For thousands of years, the Valerians were the best in the world at everything. And then they weren't. And then they weren't. And then he, he, Tyrion starts this poem. They held each other close and turned their backs upon the end. The hills that split asunder and the black that ate the skies, the flames shot so high and hot, even dragons burned, would never be the final sights that fell upon their eyes. A fly upon a wall, the waves, the sea wind chipped and churned, the city of a thousand years, and all that men had learned. This is when Jorah takes over there. Uh, The doom consumed it all alike, and neither of them turned. So it's a little love story set among the, love among the ruins. That's a book, I think. And they're like, oh, yeah, they share a moment, and it's like, this is what remains. And then you hear the leathery wings of a dragon, and we see Drogon, presumably, flying above head, slow, which, uh, you know, Jorah's like, holy crap, that's Drogon, probably. And Tyrion's like, that's a dragon. I mean, even for me, I was like, that's a dragon, that is cool. And you really can't, which, I mean, you've never seen it, it'd be like seeing, I don't even know, the Concord doesn't even fly anymore. So I don't know, and we don't have dragons, but it'd be like, maybe, maybe, I'm not seeing it, I don't know, it's pretty cool. And it's just cool how it's just so chillingly, in a chill way, flying across the sky. And then we they pull through the... Uh, the aqueduct and the stone men jump in the boat. That's all sorts of trouble. And Jorah's fighting them off. Tyrion's still tied up. And then Tyrion gets knocked overboard. And my imagination went wild at that point. I said, I read too much sci-fi in my old childhood. I thought maybe there was going to be a spin-off series where Tyrion became like the leader of some uh, stone man underworld. You know, the center of the uh, Tyrion and the stone men in the center of the earth. Yeah, because it was, uh, there was a long section of black there. Of l- the lights were out, uh, but the episode wasn't over. And then we see Jorah waking Tyrion up. And he, he says, Tyrion, Tyrion, Tyrion. And Tyrion wakes up, and then Jorah spits out some water. Say, hey, thanks for saving me. And he says, well, by the way, we got a freaking long walk ahead of us. I don't even know where the hell we're, we're going to walk along the coast pretty much the whole way. Maybe we'll be able to catch a ride or something. Probably not. And he says, hey, why don't you catch some Z's? I'll get some wood. My my new best friend, we'll, we'll read some poetry together. And then we see a little reveal that uh, Sir Jorah has gotten the grayscale. I think that's what it's called. And so then it's like, oh boy, that's trouble. Bump, bump, bump. And that was the end of the episode. Another classic episode. Uh, looking forward to seeing it. You know, I said, well, geez, they had to cover certain people. We missed some people this episode, obviously. But we're going to be bouncing around here in the middle of the season. And I'd rather get, I guess, longer chunks of one thing. 
I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, take it. I take it and I enjoy it. This is like getting a dessert coated in a dessert and then deep fried. Every episode for me of Game of Thrones is like that. So, so all right, we're gonna let's uh, let's move on. Uh, so, so what are the things we might talk about tonight? Oil lamps, Barristan the Bold, uh, dragons, dynasty, dynasty, uh, wind beneath my wings. Uh, Clockwork Orange and uh, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. All right. Uh, so when Grey Worm is in his uh, his uh, his hospital room or his recovery room, you know, I had to distract myself from you know the uh, the budding love story that's there. By I said, is, that, is are those oil lamps in there? And then I recently read Moby Dick, and I was like, okay, well, that, that's about whales. And whale oil, I think, was used in... So I said, let's look up some stuff about oil lamps over on Wikipedia. Oil lamp. An oil lamp is an object to produce light continuously for a time using oil-based fuel source. It began thousands of years ago and are continued in use to this day, though not as common anymore. Also associated with stories about genies and rubbing rubbing lamps. They were used as an alternative to candles before electric lights. Starting in 1780, the Argand lamp quickly replaced other lamps uh, that were you know, oil lamps still in their basic forms. And then these were, lamps were replaced by the kerosene lamp in 1850. In uh, small towns and rural areas, these continued into the 20th century. In, in until such areas were finally electrified, and we could use light bulbs. Uh, most modern lamps, or lanterns as they're now called, are either gas-based or petroleum-based fuels to operate as an emergency when uh, there's no electricity. As such, oil lamps of today are primarily used for ambiance or in rituals or religious ceremonies. Uh, lamps will have, uh, like a terracotta lamp is the example, they'll have a shoulder, a pouring hole where you pour the f- fuel in, a pick hole uh, where, uh, I, I don't know, maybe the nozzle, the handle, the discus, the volute, and the fuel chamber. Uh, lamp typology can be categorized by different criteria, criteria including uh, material, shape, structure, design, and imagery. Uh, typology categories of the ancient Mediterranean, they get their wheel-made ones. These are Greek and Egyptian lamps before the 3rd century BCE. Little or no decoration, wide pore hole. Then you got the volute. Those are early imperial imperial with volutes extending from their nozzles. Uh, These were early Roman, wide discus, narrow shoulder, no handle, elaborate imagery, artistic finishing, and a wide range of patterns of decoration. You have the high imperial, those were late late Roman. The frog is a regional lamp uh, produced in Egypt uh, between 100 and 300 CE. And it's an Egyptian fertility symbol. Uh, The African red slip lamps were made in North Africa, widely exported, decorated in a red slip. They date from the 2nd to 7th century CE and comprise a wide variety of shapes 
including a flat, heavily decorated shoulder, small, shallow discus, and non-religious decoration. Uh, grooves run back from the nozzle to the pouring hole. It's hypo, 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 hypoth, hypothetically to uh, return spilled oil. Uh, then you have slipper lamps. They were found mainly in the Levant, and they were produced between the 3rd to the 9th century CE. And they have factory lamps from uh, Lampen from German. Uh, these are universal in distribution and simple in appearance. Initially made in factories in North Italy, Southern Gaul, between the 1st and 3rd century CE. Exported to all Roman provinces. There's a lot in here about uh, religion and oil lamps, but we're more looking for, uh, you know, g generalized usage. Uh, here's a history. It's difficult to say when the first oil lamp was used. It's partially because it's difficult to draw a line, detailing when primitive so forms of creating a continuous source of fire could be termed a lamp. Uh, first lamps were made of uh, objects like coconuts, seashells, eggshells, hollow stones. Uh, and then the first proper lamps may have been carved from stones, uh, and they're dated the 10th millennium B.C., uh, the oldest stone oil lamp was found in Lesko, 1940, in a cave. And it was estimated to be 10,000 to 15,000 years old. The Chalcolithic Age, that's 4,500 to 3,300 B.C., that's when the first red pottery oil lamps appeared. They were round bowls. Then you're in the Bronze Age, 32 to 1,200 B.C., and these were simple wheel-made bowls with a pinch on four sides for the wick. Uh, later lamps had only one pinch, and these lamps varied in the shape of the rim. Uh, then you bump it out to the Iron Age, that's 1200 to 560 B.C., and the rims become wider and flatter, deeper, higher spout. The tip of the spout is more upright in contrast with the rest of the rim, a little bit maybe like the one in the room. Uh, lamps start to become variable in shape and distribution. There's still lamps uh, similar to the late bronze period. Other forms evolve, such as small lamps with a flat base and larger lamps with a round base. And then they have different, like a Persian lamp is uh, thin sides and a deep pinch. Uh, Greek are more closed to avoid spilling, smaller and more refined. Some are handleless. Uh, Chinese lamps dated from 41 to 221 B.C. They could be constructed from jade, bronze, ceramic, wood, stone, and other materials. Uh, the largest uh, oil lamp excavated so far is one discovered in a 4th century tomb in modern Pingshan, Hebei. Early Roman, uh, those were produced in uh, Italy. Molds were used, closed in type. Uh, these were large-scale factory production, uh, and they were produced in two parts, the upper part with the spout and the lower part with the fuel chamber. Then you had, like, a late Roman, uh, Byzantine, early Islamic, and then regional variations around the world. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a little bit about uh, lamps. All right, so we this episode we see the... Uh, well, I guess we lost. Technically, we lost Sir Barristan in the last episode, but this one we we 
we formally mourn him or or, or try to right the wrongs that caused his, his passing. And I, I guess if I was making amends with uh, Game of Thrones characters, I'd have some amends to make with Sir Barristan because I said some bad things about him, but then he won me back on the episode of his passing. And maybe he was just more good-hearted than I'm capable of, so maybe that's some because I, I feel like he sold out Sir Jorah, but maybe he didn't. And maybe I'd say, I'd say you know what, Sir Barristan, I'd have to send him a letter and, and and because he's gone and then either mail it or burn it or put it somewhere and deep in the earth. But I say, hey, Sir Barristan, you know, I, I, this is what I thought about you. I, and I, I said some nasty things on a public podcast about you. And it, maybe it was, it was more about me. I, you know, it was wrong for me to say it. And I'm sorry. And I probably was wrong. And maybe it's just a bit of jealousy of your pure-heartedness and bravery. But I'm not, you know, I, I don't think I can set the record straight by talking about him tonight. But, you know, let's dig into his biography over from the Game of Thrones Wikia.com. That starts with a, a quote. I burned my ears away fighting for terrible kings. A man of honor keeps his vows, even if he's serving a drunk or a lunatic. Uh, just once before it's over, I want to know what it's like to serve with pride, to fight for someone I believe in. I guess the sad thing in that statement is that we, we, Sir Barristan really barely did get to fight for the Khaleesi, but he was there as an advisor for Now, what do we know about him? Game of Thrones wiki it says, Sir Barristan Selmy is a recurring character from first, third, fourth, and fifth seasons. He's played by Ian McElhenney, 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 I think, I'm sorry, sir. He debuted in Lord Snow, a knight who was considered to be one of the best swordsmen in the whole of Seven Kingdoms. Also known as Barristan the Bold, he was in the King's Guard for almost 40 years before being fired by Joffrey. Uh, after being fired, he made his way across the narrow sea to Astapor, Astapor to seek out Daenerys Tar- Targaryen. Saved her from that robot snake little girl thing. Pledges fealty to her and becomes one of her trusted advisors. Eventually, he took the places of Jor and became the closest advisor to Khaleesi before everything went down. Uh, biography, uh, Barristan is, was the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, the uh, bodyguards of the King of the Andals and the First Men, uh, King of the Andals, the elite bodyguard of the King of the Andals and the First Men. He's the only member of the House Selmy, Barristan Selmy, a minor house that serves House Baratheon. He's a capable warrior, even his old age. Reputation for honor and chivalry second to none. He served Aerys uh, II Targaryen, uh, fought in the battle against the Kingswood Brotherhood, and slew their leader, uh, Simon Toyne. Uh, Jamie Lannister, age 16, uh, squired for uh, Barristan and admired his skill. Uh, he never wavered in his loyalty to House Targaryen during Robert's Rebellion in accordance to the vows he swore when he joined the King's Guard. 
Uh, both Robert Baratheon and Ed Stark held uh, Sir Barrison in high esteem, and Robert pardoned him and made him Lord Commander of the King's Guard. Lord Commander? Uh, King Robert Barristan and Jamie, uh, you know, Swat. Oh, this is all from this show. We don't need to go through that. Uh, so that's a little bit about uh, Sir Barristan the Bold, who we've lost this episode. All right, so the next thing we're talking is dragons. Now, we're not going to be talking uh, George R. R. Martin dragons, Game of Thrones dragons, because I'm letting, uh, because that's uh, up to Weiss, Benioff, and Martin, how their dragons work. Now, I got to tell you, where where do my drag, where does my, you know, my, I have pop culture dragon knowledge, like Pete's dragon, um... I'm sure there were some other dragons. It was a figment. Was that a dragon? Yeah, but most of my dragon knowledge comes from uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I don't want to go off on whole Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, my history. A lot of my direct dragon knowledge that's burned in my brain, though, comes from Dragonlance, Dungeons and Dragons novels. So if you're not getting specifically, you know... If I'm not, you know, I'm niching down, you know, to, to specific dorkdom, which so I haven't read any of the uh, other, I read, a, I think I tested out a couple other ones, but those were the, the, the fantasy dragons I was experienced with as far as reading books of the Dungeons and Dragons. Now, as far as playing Dungeons and Dragons goes, that's a whole. I mean, that's like about five other podcast episodes. I did not get to play as much Dungeons and Dragons as I would want to, uh, mostly because I was an older brother, so I couldn't play with my. You know, I, and I'm just a problem. I was a problem child, but so I don't have a, a, a ton of. I re, I would read the monster manual. But that would be like a you know for for pastime reading. But I said, hey, let's look up Dungeons and Dragons, dragons. Let's do it on Wikipedia, so we're not you know for the love of Gary guy. I mean for the love of Gary Gyax. Yeah. Uh, so this is from Wikipedia, Dungeons and Dragons. In a Dungeons and Dragons role playing game, dragons are an iconic uh, type of monstrous creature as an adversary or less commonly an ally of player characters. I wonder if you could ever play as a dragon. I mean, that wouldn't really be fair. But, I mean, all the dragons, that's one thing. The dragons had that I was know about that had magical powers, highly intelligent, could change into human form. But let's see how good my memory is. Uh, as a group, uh, D&D dragons are loosely based upon dragons from a wide variety of fictional and mythological sources. In D&D, dragons are depicted as a Various species of large, intelligent, magical reptilian beasts. And here's where defined by a combination of their demeanor and their color, their scales, or their elemental affinity. So you got your blue dragons, your green dragons, your red dragons, gold, silver. And usually, we'll see if I'm right or wrong, but it's like usually the color your scales and what you breathe would sometimes come in common. Uh, for example, they say here, commonly presented uh, dragon is a red dragon, red scales, evil and greedy nature, ability to breathe fire. Uh, dragon classification. In the D&D universe, uh, there are species, several species of dragons. 
There are a number of traits common. All dragons all appear to be reptilian or serpentine in their natural form. Except for the youngest dragons are quite large, usually at least as big as a horse, and often much water larger and often much larger. Many species depicted have wings and are able to fly. Nearly all are quadrupeds. Almost all are highly intelligent. At least as intelligent as a human being are able to speak. Essentially, according to this, all dragons are seem magical in nature. And in, in most, this says there's affinity of some type of elemental power. Some dragons are naturally able to cast spells as well. And many can breathe or expel one or more types of energy. And a lot of times they're resistant to the same such energy. Uh, dragons are egg layers. Most have sharp teeth, horns, and claws. Protected by their hide. And like I said, the color of the scales gives some hints to what they're like. Each species has a particular temperament, as well as a deeply rooted moral outlook derived from that temperament. Or, I would say, is their temperament derived from their moral outlook, my friends? Uh, These factors underlie the personality and behavior of each individual dragon. Uh, Typically, dragons do not vary widely in appearance or personality within a species, though exceptions are possible especially in D&D settings such as Eberron, uh, because D&D dragons are essentially monstrous creatures designed to antagonize player characters. The majority are evil by default. Uh, some dragons, particularly metallic dragons, have two kinds of breath, usually a lethal, lethal one and a non-lethal one. In the second edition of the AD&D, uh, dragons were completely reworked from the first edition counterparts and were much more powerful with magic resistance, uh, couldn't be subdued, physical attack forms beyond claws and bites. Uh, AD&D in the regular D&D 3rd edition uh, divided uh, true dragons into three categories, chromatic dragons, green and black, which are evil aligned, metallic dragons, such as gold and silver, which are good, and neutral aligned gem dragons, rare creatures that possess psionic abilities. In addition, there were subspecies of dragons that did not fit into three main characters. An example would be Mercury and Steel dragons, which was seemed to be metallic, but were outside of metallic because of biological differences. Uh, third edition of D&D classifies a dragon as a reptile creature usually winged with magical or unusual abilities. In the fourth edition, cl- classifications were changed... Chromatic dragons did not were not strictly evil, and metallic dragons not necessarily good. Planar dragons were defined as dragons that were warped by living on a plane of existence other than the material plane. Catastrophe dragons uh, took on natural aspects of or aspects of natural disasters, which are chaotic evil and uh, cause chaos for their own sake. Uh, publication history, five chaotic uh, lion dragons, white, black, green, blue, and red, and the golden dragon were in the first D&D white box set. And that's pretty boring. Uh, we're going to jump straight ahead to dragon abilities. In D&D, dragons grow stronger as they grow older and bigger, more resistant, more dangerous. Old dragons can cast... Draconic magic, which is a special form of D&D magic. Dragons can cast spells with just a few words. 
rather than a long ritual with lots of words and gestures. In 3 and 3.5, they could cast spells spontaneously like sorcerers do with a wider choice of spells. They can also radiate a mythical fear aura. After a millennium or two, a dragon reaches their maximum development. Uh, many D&D dragons have innate magical abilities, but vary race-to-race. Race. Metallic dragons are often able to shape change into small animal human form and help watch over humans. I think in Dragonlance, the gods became dragons, the evil and the good god. Uh, uh, dragons also have some innate powers with, based on the element, as we said, like red dragons with fire can control fire. A uh, breath weapon. A breath weapon is a cone or line-shaped weapon exhaled by dragons. Each type of dragon has a different breath weapon. Chromatic dragons have one breath weapon, while we said metallic dragons have two. Other dragons and semi-dragons also have breath weapons. Uh, one example would be the dragon turtle's cone of steam breath. Uh, form. Breath weapons can come in one of three forms. A line, straight line like a lightning from a blue dragon, a cone, which is a wide damage in a cone shape, red da- dragon's cone of fire, a cloud, uh, with, with damage with a cloud of gas, a green dragon's cloud of chlorine gas. Uh, breath weapons are composed of uh, one of several materials, fire, like uh, gold and red dragons, electricity, blue and bronze dragons, uh, liquid, uh, acid with a black dragon, uh, gas with the green dragon, and cold with the white dragon. Uh, D&D, uh, dragon bi- biology, dragons can eat almost anything, but each race had their own diet. Uh, they are warm-blooded reptiles, wow, and have no biological semblo- resemblance to mammals. Uh, they laid eggs, uh, depending on what race of when, but usually low, 1 to 10. Dragons could crossbreed with any other creature, creating a half dragon. Oh boy! I'd like to, to have a dragon, dragon, dragoness lover. Uh, most commonly with humanoids, particularly humans or elves. Uh, but you know, any combination is possible. Uh, their senses can vary depending on race, uh, but they usually have acute senses, like avian creatures, good depth perception, good peripheral vision. You know, eyesight, night vision, uh, some, you know, colorblind. In some editions, dragons are good good at smelling, or either with their nose or their tongue. And dragons hearing about on par with humans. Although their mind can filter what noise it hears, and they're capable of blind sense in which, you know, they can use their ears and other senses to detect invisible people or objects. It also says that dragon taste is refined. They don't respond to sweet flavors. Uh, But most dragons prefer not to discuss the matter of why. Of all the senses, the dragon's sense of touch is the only one to decrease throughout age, right, because of the thick, thick, hard scales. Uh, all dragons are intelligent beings, some of them exceeding so. Personality, this is about personalities. You know, it varies from dragon to dragon. All dragons share a common desire to collect treasure, be it precious, beautiful, magical, or just shiny. 
Indeed, the treasure needn't always be gold, and sometimes may be aesthetic in nature, like artwork or sculptures or books, that might still have an overwhelmingly monetary value. Uh, for evil dragons, it's more about greed, to achieve wealth by whatever means for good dragons. Their lust for treasure is tempered, although they are not averse to earning wealth, but they, and they also appreciate gifts, unless it's a bribe. Uh, being faster, stronger, smarter, and living longer than humans, they consider themselves superior. Uh, for good dragons, this means they just consider humans children, and they want to educate them and take care of them. For evil dragons, they consider us animals or toys or minions. Uh, the longevity of dragons is evident in their lackadaisical attitudes. Good dragons are, while concerned with defeating evil, see a broader scope of the world. Although certain crises they might get involved with. Sometimes they just see things as an unimportant hiccup that will pass in centuries. And those that adventure tend to show a sense of incredible patience even in situations where others feel there, uh, there's not a second to lose. Similarly, evil dragons that are crossed by belligerent adventurers may plot for dozens of generations before uh, getting their revenge on the trespassers' line. It's not uncommon for those descended from the mentioned adventurer to find themselves the target of a dragon just based on their lineage. Uh, dragons in different campaigns... In many settings, the god king of the metallic dragons is Bahamut, the platinum dragon. Uh, the goddess and queen of chromatic dragons is Tiamat, Tiamat, the five-headed dragon. The progenitor and the supreme deity of the dragons is known as Lo. Uh, Dragonlance, that's the one I read. Uh, Dragonlance novels and campaign help popularize the D&D-derived perspective on dragons. Here... The platinum dragon is called Paladine, and the dragon queen, I could never, I never knew how to pronounce this as a kid, and I still don't, T-A-K-H-I-S-I-S, Takisis, Takasis, Takaisis, I don't know, I think, I, I don't even know what I called it, I just, it was a sight word for me that I didn't know how to pronounce. Uh, dragons in this campaign are divided into good and evil groups known as metallic and chromatic, respectively. Uh, the metallic dragons rarely become involved in the world. I think they're gone for most of this series until they get called in. Spoiler alert. While the chromatic dragons have often, you know, got involved in the war. And then in the Fifth Age, which I don't know, I think that was a little bit of a reboot, uh, massive chromatic dragons who were not native to Kryn emerged and took over many of the humanoid-controlled nations and took out a lot of the native dragons. They were called the dragon overlords. And then there's the Dark Sun campaigns, Forgotten Realms, which is similar to Dragonlance. I think I... Oh, yeah, I played at Bar... Um, what was that called? Mo. Oh. Baldur's Gate, I think that was set in Dragonlance. And then what would it be without uh, a list? You know, it's been a while since. So we have our true dragons. We have the chromatic dragons, the metallic dragons, the gem dragons, the long dragons, uh, the ferrous dragons, uh, chromium dragon, which had a light a breath weapon of solid ice, freezing crystal cone, subterranean or arctic, lawful evil, you have the cobalt dragon, which has a pulsating magnetic energy 
lives in the deep forest of the jungle, lawful evil, an iron dragon, a cone of superheated sparks, and a cone of sleep gas, lives in hills containing iron ore, lawful neutral, the old nickel dragon, the old five center, a cone of corrosive gas, swamp or marshland, lawful evil, the tungsten dragon, hot sand as the weapon in a cone, arid deserts and steppes, dry plains, lawful good, but probably hot-tempered, I would bet. Uh, planar dragons, they live in the outer plains. You have the Adanam adamantine dragon. I wonder if that has anything to do with wolverine. White hot fire, uh, hold monster gas. Uh, neutral good. You have the arboreal dragon, which is breathes razor-sharp thorns. Uh, chaotic good. The astral dragon, uh, dismissal effect, scouring dust. Lives on the astral plane, true neutral, axle dragon, breath weapon of force. Lives in the clockwork nirvana, lawful neutral. A battle dragon has sonic energy and fear gas, neutral good. Beast dragon's got lightning. Chaos dragon has, of course, random elemental blast. Could be acid, cold, electricity, fire, sound, confusion, gas. The ever, it lives in the ever-changing chaos of limbo. Could be anything. You have the Cole dragon, poisonous insanity vapors. It lives in the infinite, infinite layers of the abyss. The Concordant dragon, anti-theatical energy, uh, true neutral ectoplasmic dragon. I'm not kidding about this white fire, sticky ectoplasm, astral plane. Or New York City, you know, for the uh, reboot of Ghostbusters. The Elysian Dragon. Of course, they live in the Elysian field. Sonic energy or inebriation gas. The Ethereal Dragon. Force. Gloom Dragon. Apathy gas. They live in the gray waste of Hades. Howling Dragon. Let me guess. Howling sound maddening whales. They live in the wind-swept depths of pandemonium. The co-dragon, shrinking or reverse-shrinking, they live on the astral plane, too. Oceanus dragon, lightning or tranquility gas. Pyroclastic dragon, cone of superheated ash and crushing waves of sonic force. They live out in the bleak eternity of Gehenna. Radiant dragon, force or light. They live in the seven mounting heavens of Celestia. Rust dragon, acid or rusting liquid. They live in the infernal battlefield of Archeron. Styx dragon, acid or stupefying gas. Tartarian dragon, dis weapons a line of disruptive force or a cone of will sap. I think I got hit by that. A cone of will sapping gas. I have a 24 years of that, I think. Uh, hellfire worm, uh, a cone of infernal flame. It might be Bengals fans. The f brown dragon, breath weapon sludge, they live in bogs. Deep dragon, flesh corrosive gas. You got the fang dragon, just fangs. Rattler dragon, that's a cone of fire. Song dragon, electrically charged gas. You got the Incarnum Dragon, that's Incarnum Energy. You got the Sand Dragon, that's Flaywind Sand. Force Dragon, Force. 
prismatic dragon, prismatic spray. You don't want to get hit, you know, that's going to leave a stain if you get hit by the prismatic spray. Uh, time dragon, they just complain about, about time. Well, yeah, line of ravaging time and the cone of time expulsion. Your time is up, Lord Commander. Uh, you got a hex dragon. They use poison instead of hexes, though. Tome dragon. You'd think it would be b b books, but it's elemental energy. Uh, shadow dragon is uh, energy draining shadows. Cerulean dragon. Cone of burning venom. And you have some uh, elemental drakes. You could have air, water, fire, earth, ooze, magma, smoke, ice. And then you have other lesser dragons, ambush drakes, draconians, they're from Dragonlance, Dracators. I don't know if that's a dragon dinosaur, dragon turtles, those are those are hilarious. Uh Dragonel, that's uh, spelled like flannel. So do with that what you wish. Pla you know. Maybe they have prismatic powers too. Uh fairy dragons, I would assume they have some sort of the grandmotherly nature. Oh, wait, but it's spelled the A-E. You think those are usually the trickster ones? Then you have fell drakes, which are people... I think that's an expensive hotel dragon. Landworms. Linorms. Those are probably... Those lack wings or... Well, yeah, those are... You stay with... They're often referred to as Norse dragons. Pseudo-dragons. Spire top dragons, worms with a U, waverns. What about critical? I know you might be asking yourself, what about critical reception of dragons? You know, what do the critics have to say about dragons? Well, the ancient blue dragon was ranked third among the ten best high level fourth edition monsters by the authors of Dungeons and Dragons fourth edition for dummies. This is really written here. Uh, the offers uh, described Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition for dummies. I think I went to the, the guy that came up with the dummies book, went to the same college as me. And they spoke, whoever it was spoke to the class for our speaking class in college, but I, 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 didn't, I skipped that day. Everyone got a free dummies book, but I was the dummy with no dummies book. Maybe he was given out, and maybe they were given out the D&D 4th edition for dummies. I think that was before they signed with, like, one of the big companies, though. And they said, hey, let's just copy this with for everything. And then, you know what, rank some dragons while you're at it. And they said, hey, what about that blue dragon? We, we The authors described it as the most powerful versions of these majestic and deadly creatures. And the ancient blue dragon approaches the pinnacle of all dragon kin, surpassed only by the red dragon, which for some reason didn't make the rankings. And the dra authors concluded that few single challengers can stand long against the fury of this terrible dragon as it unleashes lightning and thunder. So that's just a little bit, it's not a little bit, that's a whole hell of a lot about D&D dragons. I'll do a little lightning round now. Uh, Ramsey said Dynasty, and then I said, wasn't there a show Dynasty? I don't know if anyone in my family watched it. I was uh, before my time, 
Uh, but just a summary from Wikipedia says it was American primetime soap opera that aired on ABC from 1981 to 1989, uh, created by Richard Nestor Shapiro, produced by Aaron Spelling, revolved around the Carringtons, a fictional wealthy family residing in Denver, Colorado. It was a competitor for Dallas, starred John Forsyth and Linda Evans as oil magnate Blake Carrington and his wife, Crystal. Uh, ratings for the show's first season were unimpressive, but a revamp of the second season that included the arrival of Joan Collins as Blake's scheming ex-wife, Alexis, Alexis Carrington, uh, saw it get into the top 20. By the fall of 82, it was a top 10 show, and by 1985, it was the number one show in the United States. Uh, Dynasty was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best TV Drama Series every year from 81 to 86, winning in 84. Uh, Dynasty, or as we say in, uh, in non-Westerosi, Dynasty, uh, spawned a successful line of fashion and luxury products and a spinoff series called The Colbys. The series declined considerably popularity during its final two seasons and was ultimately canceled in the spring of 1989 after nine seasons and 220 episodes. A two-part miniseries, Dynasty, The Reunion, aired in 1991. So that's just a brief uh, thing about Dynasty, the TV show. Now, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings here, but I think I've been to either two or three weddings where normally, the I think in both situations, the bride took the mic cued the music and said, I want to sing a song to my mom. Or maybe once it was to a bet. Maybe it was three times. And they said, or to my best friend. And it was wing, winds been, uh, and it was uh, this song. Oh, 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 it must have been cold there in my shadow to never have sunlight on your face. You were content to let me shine. That's your way. You always walked a step behind so I was the one with all the glory, while you were the one with all the strength. A beautiful face without a name for so long. A beautiful smile to hide the pain. Did you ever know that you're my hero? And everything I would like to be, I can fly higher than an eagle, cause you are the wind beneath my wings. It might have appeared to go unnoticed, but I've got it all here, right in my heart. I want you to know I know the truth, of course I know it. I would be nothing without you. Did you ever know that you're my hero? You're everything I wish. Usually tears start around this part. I wish I could be, and I could fly higher than an eagle. Because you are the wind beneath my wings. And now they sing together, but they usually, either both or one of them gets the lyrics wrong, or they give up at this point. Did I ever tell you you're my hero? You're everything, everything, everything I wish I could be. Oh, and I could fly higher than an eagle. Because you are the wind beneath my wings. Because you are the wind beneath my wings. Oh, the wind beneath my wings. 
You, 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 you are the wind beneath. Fly, 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 you let me fly so high. I think I'm off my rocker right now. You are the wind beneath my wings. Fly, fly, fly high against the sky. So high I almost touched the sky. Thank you, thank you. Thank God for you, the wind beneath my wings. And, you know, since I'm a person without a heart, I, I, I said, well, she said was uh, entertaining. And it's a song I love to sing when I'm alone. So I can't really criticize it, but I said, well, I don't know if I'd sing it at my, well. Uh, but, yeah, that's Wind Beneath My Wings. And normally we do the Beth Midler version, uh, which I can't sing. Beth, 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 Beth. Bette Midler does have a beautiful voice. She seems like an incredibly good-natured person. And, uh, you know, I miss her. I haven't seen her in a while. But uh, Wind Beneath My Wings, I was in Beaches, which I think I was forced to watch one time with Barbara Hershey. Uh, and it's about friendship. And I think it's an incredibly touching story. Uh uh, but I, I I don't I don't really remember anything else about it. But yeah, it's a little bit about when when you know we we had we had a lot of time with dragons. So bet bet lost. Uh, I would have. But there's a lot more. I'll I'll have more in the show notes about this song. There's something about the sinister nature of Ramsey that reminds me of uh, the movie Clockwork Orange and uh, Alex from Clockwork Orange. And and I gotta say, I mean, it's probably in, partially. Inspired not not the character maybe, but 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 by the fine acting of Malcolm McDowell. If you're not familiar with Clockwork Orange, uh, real brief, it's a 1971 dystopian crime film produced directed by Stanley Kubrick, based on Anthony Burgess's 1962 novella Clockwork Orange. It uh, comments on psychiatry, juvenile delinquency, youth drag gangs. Social, political, and economic subjects in the dystopian near future Britain. Uh, Alex uh, is the main character. He's a charismatic sociopath delinquent, sound familiar, whose interests include classical music and being a thug. Uh, He has his little gang with Pete, Georgie, and Dim and his droogs from the Russian... APYR or, or a letter like a, a Cyrillic letter. Uh, the film chronicles uh, a spree they go on, and then Alex's uh, rehabilitation uh, via psychological conditioning. Uh, Alex uh, narrates most of the film in a fractured uh, adolescent slang composed of Slav- Slavic, English, and Cockney rhyming slang. Uh, the soundtrack featured classical music selections in a MOOC synthesizer, uh, compositions by Wendy Carlos, also was once Walter Carlos. And the artwork is a, of a now iconic poster. It was made by Philip Castle and laid out by Bill Gold. Uh, but it starred the wonderful uh, Malcolm McDowell, an English actor, 
born in 43, whose career spans more than four decades. He was a trained actor at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. He's been in controversial films such as Oh If, Oh Lucky Man, Caligula, and A Clockwork Orange, which uh, uh, gave him a, a, a Golden Globe nomination. He's been in various films and TV shows uh, all over the place. I mean... He was in Star Trek Entourage. Uh, he's done voices in Batman and Superman. He was in uh, Disney's The Bolt. And he, he I guess in some way, uh, him and Kubrick paved the way, for, for prepared us for uh, another charismatic uh, psychopath or sociopath, uh, Ramsey Bolton. And Ramsey's pit played by Ewan Iwan. I don't know, I-W-A-N, Rion. He's also acted, portrayed Simon Bellamy in the E4 series Misfits. Uh, he's from Wales. He was in uh, drama school at age 17. He went to uh, the National uh, Estetta Ford of Wales and then went to London Academy. In 2008, he was in the uh, uh, London production of uh, Spring Awakening. Uh, after Spring Awakening, he became Rion, uh, Rion was cast in uh, uh, Misfits, a BAFTA-winning program, a mix of skins and heroes. He plays shy, nervous Simon Bellamy, who gains. Uh, well, I gotta check this show out. Invisibility and precognition were some of his pow- uh, powers. And he does a great job as Ramsey. So good that I don't know. I think I said even if I, I got twenty thousand dollars to go on vacation with the actor, I don't. I couldn't do it. They say, "Hey, uh, you want to meet Mr. Rion down in uh, Cannes? For he's going to take you around. He's a big fan. I'd be like, sorry, but well, he wants to pay you twenty thousand dollars to take a golf stream, and I, I can't do it. He's too good an actor, and I loathe him." Uh, so that's just so great job. Hopefully the next casting director that sees him isn't like a, a person that just sees the world and all or nothing like I do. And they're more open-minded because he deserves a wonderful, wonderful acting. So, uh, thank you for repulsing me with your, uh, your charismatic evilness. Okay. Okay. No, I gotta go. Okay. You're right. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of breath, Podman. From what? From breathing. How many chickens have you eaten in the past week? Oh, boy, I don't know. I love chickens. How did you know I love... Anyway, Patrick, Tommen. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, another... Uh, thank you for tuning in to K-Pounce Radio. K-P-O-U-N-C-E, the radio best friends but particularly best friendship of Tommen and Subpounds. Entire radio station dedicated to the dedication of two friends. So Tommen and Subpounds are best friends that are the best of friends in friendship and best radio station comprised. It's merely to bring you the word to express over the airwaves how great a friendship is. And what way to better to do that than another afternoon episode of 
Well, he's no notes. It comes out. It comes out at night. Should we go, go, go? Dumbing and bounce in space with Dr. Panic. Okay, so bounce, tell me again what you plan on doing with the hoppy one. Right, friend. Round Oh, waiting for Rhonda. Who, who's Rhonda Sapounce? Range I recommend rat rat. Oh, the cat. Okay, but this is a space Sapounce. What? Oh, oh, okay. So we're going to shoot the happy one past the deep, deep, darkest reaches of shame heart. And through. Oh, I trust you, Sapounce. You're my best friend. Why would I even. Why would I even spend my time worrying? I trust you. So we 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 will be going in to the realm where the, I need to go check with the Dr. Panic about his panic resi- confusion resistance or something. Sapounce, how are you okay here? Right, rain, right, rain. Okay, whatever you said, I trust you. Hoppy one, uh, Sapounce, do we have the talking computer yet? Upgrade. The Padman, hold on one second. Padman, you're going to do the uh, computer voice from now on. What's the Tom, you didn't have, where's the outline? Oh, I, I, see my, I, I have the outline. Your computer, you're Hoppy One. When I say Hoppy One, you, you're on. Okay, but what do I say? Answer my questions, you fool. Okay. Okay, so bounce, uh, uh, Hoppy One, do you read? Happy one does read. Okay, happy one. Uh, make sure you listen to Sapounce. I'm going down to Dr. Panic's lab. Happy one confirm. Happy one confirms. Okay, good job, happy one. Excellent, excellent. Wow, impressive. Okay, Sapounce, happy one. I'll be back. Goodbye, Sir Tarman. Okay, that's it. I didn't address you, happy one. Only when I address you. Happy one here. No, happy one. I only when I address you to ask you a question. Do you have a question, Sir Tarman? Happy one here. Oh dear. Uh, stop it. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Okay, uh, Doctor Panic, your lab is looking so scientific. I just saw that you stomach I've uh, I've been upgrading it with uh, all those bottles in your room. With the, uh, the, there's, uh, I think there's something, uh, I think those are real bottles. What is, what's going on with you, with peeing in the bottles, Sir Tommen? Oh, Dr. Panic, you, uh, those are experiments. We are, uh, the scientists, us both. You've taken my pee bottles. Yeah, yes, I have. I've, uh, I've, uh, thrown them out the, uh, airlock for, uh, uh the gross. Okay, well, I said, I, what are these things? I said to the podman, I said, what are these? And he said, they hold liquids. And I said, really? And then I said, I filled them up and put the top on. And I, so I squeezed and I said, well, this didn't hold the whole liquid. And then other ones they did. And it's yours, sir. Okay, that's enough, sir. So, 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 Tommen, I've been working on the uh, confusion, confusion, anti-confusion things. Oh, oh, oh. One second, Dr. Panic, there's an alarm going. Uh, so, uh, hoppy one, hoppy one, what is the alarm? Uh, we have an alarm, ship approaching, sir. Come to the ba- bridge with Dr. Panic. Please come to the bridge. Okay, thank you, hoppy one. We'll be right there. Let's go, Dr. Panic. Uh, so, Pounce, what seems to be going on? 
win, 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 win. Okay, why? Well, uh, it's hard to tell if it's your space or because he says you suppose you're, you're not an actor, your best friend. I wish he was an actor, though. He I can understand you when you say fuzzy face or, you know, round me raw. But when it was the comes to, uh... So anyway, with Dr. Panic, do you know what he said? I believe he said refrain, refrain. Okay. Uh, computer, what's going on? Happy one, computer. Ah, uh, so sometimes the ship's coming in. It's coming in over there. I want to speak to you. Hey, but we don't have anyone to do the voice. Uh, okay, over. Oh, thank you, Happy One. I will put him up on the screen. This is Happy One. Who am I speaking with? You are speaking with yourself. Uh, this is Toman. Uh, Hello, self. What do you mean, you are myself? I am from the cult of confusion. I look just like you, don't I? Uh, actually, uh, you, uh, you, you're fuzzy. Fuzzy, because I, uh, computer, could you make this screen on fuzzy, please? Uh, it would be too disturbing for you, Sir, Sir Tommen. Okay, do it anyway. Override. Sir Pounce, I've always, I've always wanted to say override. My chance is here. Sir Pounce, override all computers and put it up on the screen. Full clarity, please. Uh, 100% power. <laughs> I've always said that too bad, man. 100% power. Uh, what was the other one I said? Full clarity. <laughs> I was. I forgot the first one I said. I've been waiting to say that. See, Tom and was we're recording. It were. Oh, she's. Uh, oh my goodness! It looks just like me. Is that what I look like? Oh, oh, say, is that me? So, uh, Doctor Panic, does that look like me? Oh, it looks exactly like you. Disturbing. Uh, Oh boy. So bounce. Use it. What's a snafer bafer? Okay, Hoppy One, what is happening? Uh, they are knocking with the ship and they are boarding the ship now. Oh, good gracious. Okay, uh, Hoppy One, do you have access to some sort of computer database to search your knowledge of the knowledge of the world? Uh, affirmative, sir. <laughs> affirmative. You're brilliant. Oh, it's affirmative. Oh, very good. Uh, find out everything you can about uh, Cult of Confusion. I heard them mention, and I will meet them on the battle bridge. Do we have a battle bridge? Uh, yes, sir, we have a battle bridge now. We will see you on the battle bridge. So, Pounce, bring me my battle shirt. It, could, it looks the same as my swim shirt. But it is, it has an armor of resistance. And Sir Pounce, prepare your claws for battle. Dr. Panic, uh, Dr. Panic, figure something out and meet me at the battle bridge. We have to be deal with this cult of confusion. And as I walk to the battle bridge, alone, my troops meeting me there, I will walk through the hallway of communication with Hobby One. Hobby One, tell me everything you know about the... Cult of Confusion. Ah, uh, happy one, uh, the, Sir, Sir Tommen. The Cult of Confusion is a mysterious cult uh, associated with the Queen of Confusion, but arising and independent of her at the same time. They are both obsessed with her and victims of her confusion. 
they seem to be uh, uh, the the term where where this computer was programmed was called abandoned. They've been damaged by the Queen's confusion, confusing love, as they call it, so badly they must protect her and they will be forever under her spell. So, uh, something like that. Uh, and uh, Okay, well, why does he look like me? It has maybe something, it could be, I don't, it could be a trap or, well, prob- okay, yes, yes, give me probabilities. What is the probability of a trap computer? Impossible to calculate at this time. Uh, what is the possibility it is a costume? Oh, is that a computer did not, you know, computer algorithm did not, oh, calculating, calculating probability of, uh, no outline, but 50% probability. Oh, very good computer. I'm done at the hall. Uh, open up the doors to the battle bridge and let my... Uh, troops in, and then we will we'll, we'll, uh, pose, and then we will do battle. Of battle of wits, I believe, is the safest battle. Mother once said, "You will always lose that battle, whether it is with I or your cat. You will not." Wait, anyway, uh, let. Uh, oh, this is a, quite the battle bridge. A computer, let in uh, the, the cult of confusion. How many members are there? Um, it is unknown at this time, but I see the man who looks just like you, Tobin, approaching with troops behind him. They seem to be unarmed. Okay, excellent. Hello, Tobin. You, uh, they say you look like, please, uh, stand on the other side of the bridge. I need to, I forgot to pose. So that we would be, oh, wait, was that part man that says, they're not going to see us, right? So no, okay. No posing. Stay over there, though. I don't want you too close to me. Wait a second. Is that... What is that smell? It smells like uh, uh, something. Something like... Well, I remember the uh, French and Sons. What was the... Fr- uh, Sapounce. Rang, rang. Uh, what was the smell that was always on uh, Mother's bed and uh, Cousin Lancel? Is it uh, uh, French and Sons? Frank Francis Oh, yes, okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, do you have a look like of uh, Cousin Lancel where you're from, Tobin? I do have a co- Cousin Lintel and Lancel, possibly. We are here to uh, ask for your surrender, Tommen. We will give we, Okay, well, I'm not going to surrender. So, what are my other options? Well, that is very good, Sir Tommen, because I'm just like you. Instead of asking. For your surrender, I want to give you an opportunity to join us in the Court of Confusion. It is an easy way out. Okay, well, I am here with my best friend, my doctor, Dr. Panic. Oh, and uh, my Hoppy One. Uh, Hoppy One, say hello. Hello. Okay, very good. That was a little high, though. Next time, more Roboti. Like in the movie. Movie. Okay. Okay, Tobin, why would I want to join you? What, what is it? Tell me more about this easy way out. Well, you can join us. We will be uh, orbiting the planet of confusion where your sister is safe. You will be able to meet with your sister whenever you wish. The queen will still be nice to you. The queen is never mean to us. 
Why we think, we say, well, she's like, could not tell, it does not matter. At least she keeps us close. We live in an orbit around the planet of confusion. Where we stay, unless someone comes to threaten, and then the queen says, time to use you. Run along and stop this fool. Is that what she called me, Tobin? Oh, no, that was another man who tried to come. Uh, I, I, I think, anyway... We, so you could join us. And they have all your favorite foods, chickens, lemon cakes. I do not lemon cakes. With the stuff on the, with the white crispy stuff on the top. With the double white crispy stuff on the top. There is never any work on the planet around the queen. that travels in a circle around the queen. And best of all, the queen makes all decisions for us. All we do is follow the queen and what she wants. The queen of confusion goes first. Okay, wait a second. This sounds too be good to be true. And I said, they said one day I, I, with the maester, uh, one day, you know, he, him and my uncle Jamie, they said, well, you need, to, you need to go to a regular class with children. Maybe that'll be what helps you. And it was so hard and terrible. But then one day they asked a question, the teacher, teacher, instructor, and I answered it. And he said, that is correct. Uh, and, he, and then he said, this is too good to be true. And that's what I thought too, this is too good to be true. And he said, okay, what was the name of that place again? And I said, my teeth. And he said, oh, no, no, I thought you said the reach. And I said, no, no, no. I said, my teeth are bothering me. They feel fuzzy. And he said, okay. And again, I'm getting that sense with you, Tobin. I'm getting the sense you don't know who you are. Uh, and I, 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 am, I have a test for you. You say, well, you like me. I would like what you like. Being close to Mother, the Queen of Confusion, not having to do much. That sounds like, now I'm going to give you this bottle here. It is an empty bottle. We are going to give you some privacy. I'm going to see what you do with that bottle. And uh, why? Okay. Well, what about we? I'm just here. What, why would I want a bottle? Well, it holds liquid. And you see, you could see what you would do with it. You say, well, Jesus, it's an empty bottle. The hole. Look at the hole in it. You say, well, what is the size of it? Well, maybe bigger, maybe smaller than that hole. The, the podman drinks w w bubbly water out of there. And then he says he cycles them. And I said, well, could I keep some in my room? And I'd say, are you getting confused yet, uh, Tobin? I am getting confused. I thought, so, well, let me take you to my secret room of filled bottles. And I will show you what I do with them. Uh, happy one. Prepare the uh, shields of screams, because you are about to hear. Uh, uh, protect all windows, all maesters, all scepters, sepounce. Sepounce, I'm going to scream. He's going to scream like me, or much worse. As a, uh, Hobby One, keep this line open. Come with me, we'll go alone. Dr. Panic, prepare the airlock. Uh, he will be going out of it with the bottles. Hopefully his queen will rescue him. Okay, sir, I'm confused. I don't know what you're doing. I'm even confused. Happy one, uh, preparing uh, your secret rooms. Uh... Okay, come with me. 
Hello, Tobin, this is my room. But in my room, I pushed this uh, thing for the clothes in front of this. And I said, well, geez, if they search my room, they won't find this space behind there. And this is where I keep my double secret bottles that I filled. And uh, you could go back there and I will, I will start opening them. You could have a peek. Or you could just jump out the airlock because I'm done. Are you confused? I'm so confused. I was uh, thinking I would trick you. And the queen said, trick this boy and I will love you again. Oh, you are Lancel, aren't you? You have got me. She put a spell on my face to make me look like you and act like you. But you're boggling my mind, cousin. I will jump out the airlock now, or I could just return to my ship and run away. For the queen will be so angry, I will be forced out of the cult of confusion forever. Or, cousin, I could ask you to join us. If I liked you, but I don't. So anyway, goodbye. Just take your ship and go. I do not want to hurt you or anything. And I don't want to have to open these bottles. Because I did once and it was it was gross. So that is it. Goodbye. We, we, Happy one, prepare. He, he's leaving on his ship. And uh, make sure you track him out of the uh, circle of confusion into where you're going to go, cousin. I've always wanted to join another cult where I could do something more than just uh, wait around for the attention of the Queen of Confusion. Oh, well, I heard about this cult. It's called the Crazy Town Cult, where all the people, they take the ships, they go as fast as they can, they crash into a wall, for all for glory, the glory of the shipmaster. You should do that. I think I will. Thank you, Tommen, and goodbye. Well, goodbye, cousin. A happy one. Set a course for Sir Pounce's course. We are off on the final few legs of our adventure. Okay. Uh, Hobby One, you, you're supposed to confirm with me. Uh, Hobby One confirming, yes, sir. Uh, off, Lancel off the ship forever. Uh, Dr. Panic, I don't think I'll be needing these bottles anymore. Come get them and eject them from the ship. I've, I've uh, changed. I'm a new man now. A man. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not all alone. I have my best friend, Sir Pounce. Hoppy One. Uh, a computer and a friend, I believe. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, okay. And, and uh, Dr. Panic. So I don't need to say, what well, is you were my wife. Where did you go? The things you did, we did together. We felt so special. Yeah, Tommy, this is not part of that. Okay, oh, yes, I say. Oh, don't tell me, you know, don't. Uh, no, Tommy, just pull it back. Okay. Okay, well, uh, Podman, why don't you? Okay, thank you for joining. Okay, thank you for joining us at Tommy and Pounds in Space with Dr. Panic and Happy One. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Oh, I got it. Okay, okay. And thank you for another afternoon at K-Pounce Radio. K-Pounce, we're best friends. Come to be best friends. Oh, no, people come to witness the best friendship of best friends. K-Pounce Radio, thank you. So, Padman, what should I do? Uh, Say the thing the maester said that you were saying that you do all the time. It's not the same. 
I don't know how you say what well, is good enough. Said the mic's still on time, and I don't want to talk about this with you. I said, just talk to the maester. That's what they get paid for. Yes, but he's so creepy. And then the other guy, he's. I said, well, are you evil or not? Because I cannot tell. And they said, no one else to talk to but you, bad man. Okay, well, yeah. What can I tell you? You'll forget about it soon enough. Believe me. I don't think I can. It feels like my insides are a, a vibrating, saying, "Way, where's Marjorie? Hey, hey!" And then I say, "Oh boy, oh boy!" And then I say, "Oh, if I could do, sleep all day, and maybe I'll have a dream about it, like the ones we talked about, emissions with the emissions." Okay, Tom. See, uh, okay, it's hard. I know. Okay. Well, thank you, Batman. Oh. You are trying to help me, and you cannot, but you try. Thank you. Uh, should we shut this off? I don't know. It's just, um, there's really no good way to give, finish this. But yeah, just keep trying, Tom, and if I, only five more, you know, say you're doing your best. I know. It's just so hard when my best is not good enough to stop all this. Well, Tom, and don't say that. It's just some, sometimes love is hard. Just so hard, like something else. Okay, that's it. I'm turning the mic off. Uh, Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller, Smith, Barkey, Jester. It's uh, me checking in again. Uh, you know, it must have been cold there in my shadow. It was kind of cold when the gods didn't get a hold of me. I told them we were going to blue sky. All the potential revenue streams. You were content to let me flop in the wind that your way. You always leave me behind. Now I was the one without any glory. Oh, oh, hey, gods. It's been cold down here in your shadows. I've been waiting for you to get back to me. You never... Oh, got a back, you know. You told me we would do some blue sky. But I feel like you took advantage of me. That's your way. You always want me to be challenged. And I am God's. You always expect so much of me. So I was the one who started thinking of some names for our company. A beautiful title to express what we do. That's a corporate name. A beautiful name to be so like a earworm. Did you ever know that I was singing of all the names we could make our... Anyway.
gods. I was, saying, I was trying to sing it out, out to you. Uh, weird gads. Jessica Alba's head just popped into my brain while I was singing Bette Midler. Has she ever done a Bette Midler thing? Alba. How about that? For a complaint app. Alba. You, you, you could never complain. Oh, no, yeah, so that wouldn't work. Alba. You could never complain. Uh, one can one one thing that came up, gods. I was telling Eli this over. Uh, there's someone snooping around. I don't. I know you gods don't know what LinkedIn is. I, I don't use it too much. But I said, hey, this guy was looking at your profile, and I said, I don't know what made me click it, gods, but it, he runs a complaint app company over 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 the pond, as they say. And I gotta tell you guys, I don't know if that's delicious irony, or whatever kismet, or you know we're we're in the midst of a hostile takeover, or as Eli said, he's you know cover me in pre-smote because he's saying, "Whoa, boy, you know I better pre-smote this fool before he has the god smote me." Now he seems to have a more industrial focus of his business, so I figure the world's big enough for for both of us. Uh, Alba, the complaint app that you love to... If we had a great UI, it's user interface, I think that stands for. Any, any word on API, Barky? Barky? Okay, no. Okay, it's a no. Uh, U, UI, I figured that one. I think I figured that on my own. I might have made it up. And I said, well, geez, I, you know, with the... Uh, what do they call it when gods put stuff in your brain? Divine... Divine, I don't think it's divine inspiration, but they say, geez, God's put it in my brain. How'd you come up with that? Alba, that's better for like a shea butter, I think. If we had something called Alba, it probably should have shea butter in it, God's. Not the best thing for an app, you know, shea butter and apps. Shea butter. Uh, yeah, no, I was saying, can we name an app shea butter? I guess don't name it, you know, don't start. Eh, that would be a good sidekick. This is my sidekick, Shea Butter. Uh, she kicks ass. All right, let me just, I don't know if you guys got the meeting agenda because I sent it out, uh, potent, you know, with brain. Okay, guy out to get me on LinkedIn. Check. API. Barky's on it, maybe. You know, it is spring, Barky. I'm sure you're busy. Uh, you know, because it seems like it does itself, but I'm sure, like we, like we learned with butterflies, it could be painful budding and, uh, you know, celebrating spring. Birds, birds do have claws. So API's out. Alba, that's a no. Uh, Shea butter, that's a no. But potential sidekick for me, if I, you know, if I ever give, if I could get a sidekick. And it's funny, I didn't attend this, guys, but I remember a startup that had one about trying to come up with their name. And I don't want to say it because I don't want to confuse you, it was Gimlet. And that's pretty, that's sketchy. And, and now that they're making more podcasts, it's say, well, that looks good, Gimlet. Uh, so I think maybe the two syllable. I don't know if that's one of the methods of uh, naming two syllables. Alba, Shea Butter, Shea Butter. That might be three. Maybe that's why it didn't work. Uh, those are all that were in my head. Guy that wants to get LinkedIn. The thing is, they say, oh boy, God, start about a complaint. I guess this is, it's like, 
Linked in is a wrong. Linked, it's a pain in the ass to get in there. What the hell? In. Linked, you're lucky if you can fucking figure out how to get in here. In. Don't sue me. Please. But I say, uh, but it's like, what am I going to protect? I never had, no offense, oh, jeez, I feel bad. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I never had any other thing. I said, well, jeez, how many layers of security do you get? Because anyone can look at it. Obviously, this guy somehow heard I was coming up with a complaint app with the God's old new. And he checked me. He didn't, I don't even know how he got my name. And he found me, but I can't get into my own link. I literally had today, God's. I said, I saw this guy in this Mets cap. And I said, hey, you Mets fan. And he said, hey, do you work blankety-blank? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. He said, I know. I saw you on LinkedIn. Now, we had, we had a common, we were, you know, he knew who my name was. But I said, oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, he said, did you get my message? And I, I said, well, and then luckily we got interrupted because I said, geez, I don't know how the hell I'm going to get in there. And then sometimes I do. My profile's not updated uh, I don't think, I, I think it was like, geez, I'll just build this thing and fix it later. Okay, so LinkedIn's out, that's already been used, or any, and that's a lot of LinkedIn. No, is that too linked? Linked, that's too linked, maybe three in. Uh, but maybe we should bring, you know, this is what the blue sky, why I was singing, Midler. Oh boy, God, it's Midler, that's two. I don't think you can trademark a last name, uh, Midler. Uh, Midler, the complaint app. I think that's it, guys. Boom, we're done. That was quick. And not, and then you say, well, we know there's nothing to complain about Bette Midler about. We, we love her. That smile. When I was thinking about Wind Beneath My Wings, I remember crying, guys, uh, uh, when Bette Midler was singing at one of the 9-11 things at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, because it's a painful memory. But but I just move on from that. But it was a touching thing. So maybe that says, well, geez, maybe we shouldn't use Midler if you're bringing that up. Basically, Midler, two syllables. It's got the Midler, M-I-D-L-E-R, right? I think if I'm, if my spelling, if it's complicated to spell, God's just say no. But considering I said Alba was my best one because I just popped in my head, and then I said, I think we're on to this guy. It's unintentional. Uh, you know, I think Gimlet said they pay, They didn't have to pay. It was like a pro bono thing for their name. Uh, but, but I think it costs big money to get your, you know, branding. That's a whole That's a whole uh, racket. And, I mean, well, it's, I mean, Midler. The app, I mean, if we could get Bet Midler, that would be a big get. I don't think we can afford Bet, uh, just because she, I think, I don't know if she's still doing, like, where she does a residency in Vegas. It only wants the best for Bet Midler. I mean, she was on, she's been in comedies. Question, guys, I didn't have time to look this up because I'm just thinking of it. Was Bet Midler married to Michael Eisner, or was that in my imagination? Uh, if you look into that, but Michael Eisner, he was the inventor of Synergy. And I think, and I said, well, maybe he had a little Synergy going with that. And I said, yeah, he did, because she had a movie at one of the theme parks for a little while where they showed how they made it. And I said, well, she said, I like this Bette Midler. 
Uh, and then, well, we could, we could, if we could get her, that'd be good. But if not, we just say Midler. We'll, we'll, we'll drop the M to a lowercase M. And now we just get to think of a punchline, guys, or whatever tagline they call it, Midler. Complaining made easy. That's too. That's, that's no good. It would say Midler. The wind beneath your wings. You say, well, that's kind of stealing. Too close to bed, you know. Uh, how about this guy's Midler? Get it out. And then we could have like an extended. That could be. If you if you if we get we'd probably have to get someone that knows fonts because boy I don't know fonts. We say Midler. If we could do get it out, you know, right underneath it, and it could be Midler. Go ahead and pout. Get it out. Uh. They say, I guess people don't like to pouting's more insults. They say, well, I'm not. I don't want to celebrate pouting. Midler, it's time to celebrate the pout. Midler, pout it out. This is this is a tough, uh, you know, break, breaking breaking session, guys. When I'm the only one. Well, I guess you guys are pump. Maybe you guys are pumping my brain here with some. You think it's going to give any radiation side effects? Look at that memory loss I have had, or when I had it just with the, anyway, was it, okay, hit me again, guys, hit me with something, Midler, 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 you say, should we rhyme, well, Midler, Piddler, Flit, Fiddler, Fiddler on the Midler, Piddler, yeah, Piddlers are a bad thing, Tiddlers, I think that's a game they play in England, uh, Midler's a tough one to rhyme, rhyme with right now. Well, let's talk it out, guys. We got an app. You complain into it. Anyway, we'll have multiple, multiple inputs, we'll say, you know. Um, you know, you say, how are we going to tie it? Well, Gimlet, they said, that just sounds good. It sounds cool. So there you go, Midler. Get it out. Pout, pout it out. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is with Bette Midler makes you feel loved, I think. And her, she seems caring. It's the image she she projects in some sense. You say, oh, Bette Midler would, like a little bit like Bill Clinton, she feels my pain. And that's what we want for, uh, uh, you know, uh, emotional, like whatever vibrations we're going to send out with this app. Midler. No, we don't want, we feel your pain, that's too. It'd be like if she was running for Senate. Here's an idea, guys. We'll run Bette Midler for Senate. Midler, she feels your pain. The wind beneath your wings. 2016. Senate. Where, where's Bette Midler live, guys? L.A., New York, or, well, Las Vegas part of the year? You say, well, geez, uh, I think maybe we're on it. Guys, what do you think? You, I think you like Bette Midler. Midler. 2016, she feels her your pain. She'll be the wind beneath our wings, Midler. And they might, well, but then we say, well, geez, that would, so, so all that work you put in over the last 10 minutes, I think of a name for the app. Midler and Alba. Attorneys say, that's more of a law firm, Midler and Alba. Uh, Attorneys said law. Uh, man, guys, you you make it tough. I mean, I'm just trying. Always right now, my brain just me walking down the street yelling into my phone, and I'm just trying to. I guess I not empathize, but here I'm wondering what I'm so mad about. I'm saying, hey, that's my freaking thing. 
And you say Midler. Sweet relief. No, that doesn't work. Midler. It's a, a complaint. It's like we need to use the word complaint at some point, but you say, you know, when they make up words, but it's, you say, geez, we already made up a word. We said we're making Midler, we can make it into a noun. There you go. Or a verb. That's what I meant. Not a noun. Midler's a noun. We'll make it into a verb. Midler. Yeah, you'd say, uh, you know, Midler it. Midler. I mean, we got to figure out how to do this with some sensitivity so we're not hurting bad. Uh, but then you say, well, you already insulted Tim Curry. I say, well, because I love somebody, I guess that'd be the whole God thing. If I pray to you, is it, is if I'm, then suddenly maybe celebrities can be like, can you not be a fan of mine? Actually, that did happen. I say, hey, I'd rather you not be a fan of mine. I said, well, geez, I can't help it, man. You're the best. They said, well, just could you keep your fandom to yourself? Oh, that was the makers of Dancing Groot. They asked me specifically not to mention Dancing Groot anymore. And they said, well, it's always sold out, so what the hell does it matter if I mention Dancing Groot like 50 times? I don't even know. What the hell is the name of your company again? The Dancing Groot. That's what you should have named your freaking company was a... Owned by more. I said, well, then you guys, that's not my problem. Midler. See, that was a Midler, guys. There you go. That was a Midler. We just saw, so that's the verb, Midler, the name of our company, Midler. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, uh, Ackerman, Scooter Ackerman. I'm a chief idea officer at Midler. I think that's, that might be stealing. I don't know if Big Head, I think he was Dream Master. At, uh, what is that, at, um, Hooli or something. So I don't want to steal something, so I don't want to do it. But I'd like to have some title like that, guys. Obviously, if I'm asking for it, I'm not going to get it. Boot, boots, Boots and Chief, Midler. And you say, would you tell us more about Midler? Well, just tell me it was something bad that happened to you. And then the, imagine that, even reporters get to complain. Midler. Uh... We're playing, oh yeah, we're complaints come to rest, Midler. And they said, well, you're using as a noun now. I thought it was a verb. It's both. Uh, why isn't it, if it's a proper noun, because you got a lowercase. Well, yeah, it's the internet. Everything's lowercase. Yeah. That's a Midler right there. You just made me pull a Midler with your uh, questioning my, uh, yeah, but you know, for it was a, is that an adverb or an adjective? They say, well, verbs and adverbs. So that's something that describes a verb, I believe. I, someone corrected me this week about that. And so now I think it's fresh in my mind. Midler. Even when you're slightly irritated. See, now we're, we're rolling now, gods. Wow, you're, you're, radiate, you're, radiate, you're irradiating my brain, aren't you? Uh, and geez, I don't like that one bit. Midler. Even when you're irritated with the gods. Midler. Um, jeez, oh, I'm so overtired. Why, why can't I get myself to bed on time? Was it Midler? Even when you're pissed, something else. That's it. That didn't work, gods, because I screwed it up. Midler, you're a screw up, Midler. And you say, well, geez, well, I don't want to be a screw up, Midler. For when you, you Midler, get it out, Midler. Uh, so that's it, gods. I think, boom, we got a name, Midler. I like saying it now, guys. I'll be saying 
Uh, Lord Commander. I don't have my voice as Lord Commander friendly. Lord Commander. Midler. I don't think Stannis can say it. Lord Commander. Midler. Midler. No, that's two. Midler, Lord Commander. Oh, anyway. Yeah, it's, I can't. It doesn't even, they're like, well, it doesn't even sound like Stannis. Midler. For Game of Thrones. Terrible impersonators. Midler. Well, that's it, guys. Good shit. Good session. Uh, nice job. Uh, you know, even when you don't mean it, Midler. So now we just got a API Barky. That's going to be important. Uh, revenue streams. I think I put Jester. Uh, uh, no, Jester, you're in front. You're, you're you know in front. in charge of uh, party. You know the people that need to get partied, Midler. When you party too hard. You know, that's Andrew WK. I just got that mixed up. Well, all right, guys. I mean, Midler. Don't smote him. Midler. There you go. We could have you guys. That would be more for like a Comic-Con or like a Game of Thrones con. We could have you guys and be like, you know, give it a mid, you know, line for the bathroom. The bathroom dirty. Midler. Don't smote him. Smote him if you got, it's already been smoting, Midler. All right, guys, that's the earworm. I mean, we just came up with a corporate earworm, and I, you know, so don't, you know, if you, you know, Midler stuff, guys, don't blow up, Midler. Road rage, don't road rage, Midler. Yeah, this could be, guys, I'm thinking all of a sudden, so you, and you guys will have to research this. Uh, but the whole world of missed encounters where you say, hey, you, and I tried this once or twice. I say, I didn't try with a girl with a green T-shirt, but I said, I think I said it once on a bus. I said, hey, were you on a bus? This was on some dating something. Were you on this bus? Because she said, I was going to talk to you. And I said, no, but don't talk to me anyway. Midler, when you're rejected. Midler. Yeah, that's it, guys. I can see the poster almost. You get Midler on both ends with something that would usually, when you'd react to something, you just Midler it instead of doing what you'd naturally do, which for me would always be disastrous. Maybe normal adjusted people would say, well, geez, but it's still Midler. You know, don't get mad. Don't chew your nails. Midler. You know that. So we just got to worry about, you know, we got the name. We got somewhat of a marketing campaign. We just need every every everything else. And it looks like the you know companies are out to get me. So that price, you know, Midler. That's what I'll say. Bring it, Midler. You know, and they say, "What the hell are you talking?" About? I should try to go to the the movie theater tomorrow. And they say you're banned from here for life. And I'd say Midler it, man. Instead of banning me, just Midler it. And I'll hand him my phone. So that's good. All right, guys, great session. Thank you, Crone, sweet, sweet Crone. That was a non-Midler. Jester, Barkey, Smith and Miller. No Midlers here tonight because I'm full of appreciation for your help. Rest well, gods. I'm on the earth pursuing our, uh, what you said, well, Jesus, we don't have a revenue stream, God, so I don't know if it's riches. Or famous relief for humanity. You say, Jesus, this is just a humanity-based service. Midler. Humanity-based services. Midler. Good night.